Okay, let's start the show. It's May 7th, 2015. Welcome to This Is Only Test, the official podcast of Tested.com. Hey gang, I'm Will Smith. Seated directly to my left, Norman Chan. It's a full house today, Norm. Hey gang. Hey gang. Hey gang. I stopped saying guys. Because <laughs> there are at least three or four women in our audience. Yes, and, and, and we are, with four of us here, we're a gang. We are a gang. <laughs> uh, Jeremy Williams. Officially. Hello. How are you doing, sir? I'm well, thank you. You're looking at a key puller. I had no idea. Um, and seated directly to my right, Patrick Norton. I'm just trying to figure out what you pull keys out of with that thing. You, you pull the tops off of a mechanical keyboard. Or any any, key any keycap. I, you know, I'm thinking lockpick, and, and you're modifying keyboard. No. Lockpicks, oh, you know what lockpicks look like. Yes, I they do. They don't look like that. I can only see the top half of okay, it. I thought it was some special you. new exciting automated device. No, no, no. It hey, looks like some cooking utensil. You are using an HP Spectre yes. X360. Yes. Which they handed out. Uh, I have one of those, too, from Bill last week. Yes. Can you get the trackpad to turn off when it's folded over into tablet mode? You know, I literally just unpacked the thing this morning. Okay. I have not yet used it in tablet mode. Would you like to find out live? I would yeah, why not? It. It's it's like I really like it, but it's a little rough on stuff like the the trackpad working when oh, it's flipped over. I don't like how I don't like it's designed for tablet mode. You mean the fact like that the, the bevels are yeah, all the yeah, the bezels are all weird? That, yeah. Yeah. What, what's inside of that thing? It's a i5. It's a mid-range i5. It's it's plenty like it is a very workable computer, um, cool. but the tablet stuff was a little bit janky for me. It's it's like hey. a, it's very similar to the yoga. First, it was working the trackpad. Now That's the trackpad is off. Same problem I had. It, it flips on and off because the service that turns that stuff on and off when when it detects that it's flipped closed uh-huh. is like crashes and comes back and crashes and comes back. It seems like. Well, have you upgraded Windows? I have. I have. I've used the HP Support Manager to uh, update the software for the machine. Oh, it's funny. I just immediately deleted all the HP stuff. So now you have no way of getting drivers <laughs> because if you go to the website, you can't tell which model you have. Great. Yeah, it's fun. So I got that to look for. That was my first move. I'm going to put Windows 10 on it. That's. I need a Windows 10 laptop that, that I can bring in. For, great thing to put Windows 10 on. Yeah. My primary production machine is Windows 10. That. Hey, <laughs> what's we have so wait. we have there are more Windows laptops represented on this table than. What? Then in the past maybe two years. <laughs> you mean of there's testing, three? There are three <laughs> Windows laptops on this table. That's incredible. And I brought two of them. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, Thanks, Patrick. I'm, I'm glad to, no, to it, represent. I, 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 I think the people out there will be glad as well. I've got Dell and HP. Who here has seen The Avengers? Not the new I've one. Seen, I've seen. I'm gonna watch it again tonight. <clears throat> really? I was thinking about going again. I kind of want to see it a second time. It's too, early for, too early for spoilers, no? Oh, we're not gonna spoil it. Right. Um. <laughs> We'll do that on This Is Only a Test in a week or two. Still so, untitled. Still untitled. This, is, this is Only a Test. Um, it's the first movie that was shot in IMAX Digital. Is a thing that Norm wrote into the show notes? Nope. No? Avengers 3. Oh! So I don't know. What, what, three part one or part Avengers, two? Avengers, question mark? I was looking at... I was putting potential early okay. topics. Um, seg- since not everyone material. here has seen uh, Avengers, we're not going to talk about the movie today. Uh, it is a spectacular... Uh, movie in every sense of the word. Uh, it, it looks looked expensive. It made a ton of money. I mean, if you're interested in superheroes, you should probably go see it. Um, 
But the really interesting thing, and I was thinking about this, wow, the movie just, just came out last week, but we're already thinking about the next one, the next two. Because it's a part three, but part three is really part three and part four? Part th- yes. There's going to be two movies coming out, which is fine, because it's not an adaptation of a, like a, a book or anything. You mean they're not going to Hunger Games it? No. Hobbit. Well, they are going to Hunger Games and Hobbits, but they're writing the script to making the two movies and just filming one. So they're more of Lord of the rings in it. So this wasn't the dark center chapter? No. Um, oh. And I don't want to talk about plot okay. details or anything, but... Uh, what is interesting from a production standpoint and from a technology standpoint is that the directors of Avengers 3 Infinity War coming, I believe, this uh, the 2018 and 2019 or 19 and 20. Wait, we got to wait three years? We get, of course. That's how, that's how, I mean, but we're going to get two of them. Oh, um, we'll the have tur- HoloLens before then. <laughs> yeah, we'll have HoloLens soon. <laughs> we can, we'll talk about that soon. Uh, Avengers Infinity War Part 1 and Part 2 will be the first films shot entirely with IMAX mm-hmm. and with an IMAX camera. So now, are the IMAX cameras getting small enough that you can do that? That was my next question. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was so so one of the big problems with IMAX cameras, and there are a lot of caveats to this press release. One of the problems with the IMAX format in the past is, one, the equipment is super heavy because yeah. the IMAX cameras themselves are massive and they require special. You can't just put them on a, a normal Steadicam technician. 70 millimeter film is, is yes. a challenge, right? Yep. right? And two, in order to block out all of your cinematography for that, you basically have to make some compromises or build special rigs for the movie production. This is why you ended up with that bad situation in like The Dark Knight Rises, where you have a long scene and some shots will be IMAX and some shots will be normal. Well, The Dark Knight, the Dark Knight was scripted out where... Uh, the Dark Knight is different. The Dark Knight is, is a little different because they were just entire chapters of that movie if you want to break it down they were just shot in IMAX mm-hmm. you could tell for example in the Hong Kong scene in The Dark Knight uh, the first part of the Hong Kong scene when he first lands are like two shots in IMAX it's, all, it's the, usually the, establishing scenes. establishing shot yeah. of the, the building and also when they're walking into the lobby then when Morgan Freeman's talking to uh, Lau it's regular 35 millimeter and you get crop frame and then Batman goes in and the moment the cops get into the building then it turns into an IMAX fight so there's still like <laughs> Well, but even even shot? worse than that was in Dark Knight Rises when they were when he was fighting Bane in the in the sewers and literally some of those no, like, the sewer shot was completely IMAX. They're, they're, the, the sewer fight when the door closes and Catwoman closes the door behind him that is the cut. The, okay, from that to when his back is broken is IMAX. But in the final fight at the end, that's of the, the movie, one I'm thinking about. Then in the city streets, that is intercut. So when you watch, it's fine in a theater. You don't notice it in the theater because you're looking at an enormous screen. When you watch it on a 60 inch TV at home, which is a, I think, still a big ass TV. Wait, they keep the different. They, they crop for the home version. Yeah, so you well, get it's like pink, pink, pink. I mean, I saw that in the IMAX theater. But I didn't think they would do that on Blu-ray. It's, nope, it's, they do Blu-ray, it on Blu-ray. Wow. The, the the con for Blu-ray is that it's basically you lose the benefits of anamorphic. No, there's no anamorphic Blu-ray. Well, everything's like, well, cropped. The, everything the black cropped. bars are burned into all the videos on Blu-ray. That sucks. Well, I guess then. No. Yes. It, it, no. Okay. It, it does suck. He, it, Norm is right. Well, no. I, I'm going to disagree a little bit because because one, if you want to preserve the original format of a movie, it's fine. Because uh, the number of times I've seen somebody like lose 30 percent of a video because they didn't want to have the the the, the letterboxing or or 30 percent of a video because they didn't want to have the they do they, they pan and scan themselves. Yeah, pan and scan yeah. themselves, or just expand the video up so it fills the entire screen. But that's and, a terrible. Solution. I agree, but essentially, what I think it is is though it would. I, 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 
I have less of an issue with Blu-ray than the fact that they decided to do that. They could have they could have changed that in the mastering of the Blu-ray. They could have they could have fixed that. They could have cropped it themselves. Yeah, they could have cropped it yeah. themselves. I mean, I, like I would be fine if the hey watch it with the IMAX with the IMAX crops is an option, right. which is totally possible with the format. You know, they, there's no reason that Chris Nolan, when he was, and well, the thing is, Christopher Nolan cares it, about Blu-rays. Yeah, and let's explain to Jeremy what the because uh, all of Chris Nolan's movies, like Interstellar, did it also. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are shots of the movie where you get because IMAX isn't 16 by nine either. Right. Um, it's almost like four by three. It's yeah, yeah. it's closer it's to that. So you're still getting a crop version of the IMAX. But for example, in the opening shot, uh, scenes of the Dark Knight, the, the Joker heist scene, that entire scene is shot in IMAX. It's beautiful. Fills up the entire 16 by nine. But then once it cuts to Gotham City, you have uh, at night. You get the black bars in, and yeah, it just switches that. between but between the movie. The but, upshot is on Dark Knight when you're watching on a 16 by 9 TV. You get black bars on the side, right. and then if it's a 2.35 to one film and not a 16 by 9 film, you switch between black bars on the side and black bars on the top and bottom, which is I find very disconcerting. And for a 21 by 9 monitor, which people some people have, where <laughs> you would want to watch Blu-ray theoretically yeah. get all the resolution, you're going to actually get black bars on top and the sides. <laughs> yes. The 21 by 9 monitor isn't the problem. The real problem is that as we move to 4K TVs, the non-anamorphic Blu-rays are going to have exactly the same problem that we had in like 1999 or 2002 when people were getting high-def TVs that could actually display higher than 480 lines of content. And they had these Blu-rays that were 21 by 9, or, or, or sorry... Uh, 2.35 to 1, I guess it's the same, 2.35 to 1 aspect ratio films that then had black bars burned into the video. So we literally made the exact same mistakes all over again. So let's Super go dumb. Inception anyway. up. Speaking of Chris Nolan movies. Uh-huh. Hold on. Here we go. Yeah. It's the morning zoo, guys. I love that movie so much. It's, it's Inception? Super yeah. good. Nah, I just watched it. Um, we're Inceptioning it up again. Okay. So <laughs> Avengers 3... And four. Be, and, and three part two will be the first film four. shot. Well, okay, Avengers 4 will be shot entirely with a new IMAX digital Airy camera. So it's IMAX oh, wow. digital. And oh. that's not to say IMAX digital has, it's, it's completely new because there have been plenty of IMAX digital cameras already. These are cameras and systems approved for the IMAX projection system. Now, you think IMAX projection, well, that's film too. No, IMAX projection is actually more digital now than film. If you go to the Metreon, they actually project in IMAX digital. Really? Yep. Yep. Um, very few places project project because they want to. IMAX as a brand wants to build out more theaters. Oh, right, because it says they it's, had a big, it's DLP now. They want to have yeah. a big. Uh, they avoid the debacle of the the IMAX of just licensing. So they're actually building up, you know, changing out projectors. But it's all IMAX digital projectors with the IMAX cameras. For example, IMAX 3D, which I believe Michael Bay used, that was also a digital IMAX camera, but it was two two lenses, two side by side, two side by side, projects on one sensor. The camera, the camera that's um, used being used for part of Civil War that was actually tested in the Winter Soldier, even though the Winter Soldier wasn't IMAX, some of the scenes were actually shot with that, huh. um, but will be fully used in <coughs> Infinity War Part One and Part Two. 
is an IMAX Airy camera that is digital. Now, it's not exactly the same as 70mm equivalent. So if you talk about how many lines of resolution the 70mm equivalent film can scan, people think that 70mm can do approximately 16,000K. So 16,000 horizontal lines, not vertical lines, horizontal lines. What in effect, that's really what's actually used about 12,000 lines. But basically you're limited by the film grain at that point, right? Yes, at that point. So it has to do with the ISO of the film and the exposure and all that stuff as well. This IMAX digital camera will scan at about 6,000 lines. Now, I don't think that really matters because the projectors themselves, the digital digital projectors, will all only do about 6,000 lines anyway. Um, but what you don't get is that you don't get something like this. What I'm holding is an, a, a film cell, an IMAX film cell, which is like a three-inch film cell. It's a piece of interstellar film history. Norm. Film history. What, what did you get when you bought the interstellar Blu-ray? I got... Matthew McConaughey wearing earphones, crying. I thought the back of his head, crying. Mine is just so a sad. a piece of black film that when I held it up to the sun, I could see that there were some stars on. Oh, that's still so probably it better is than this. Empty star field. You know, it's become a hunt. People have bought boxes of these Blu-rays just for the film cells and sell them on eBay to get the big winner. To get the big winner. What's what's the best? What's the optimal? <sighs> like the bookshelf. I'll tell you. I'll tell you the optimal. Because even <laughs> some scenes, because it's it's you know what the shutter rate is, some of them are blurry, and so even if you have a good scene, you get a crisp good scene. The two big winners are one, the black hole. Yeah. Which is actually because. I got ripped off because this is actually a 35 millimeter shot blown up to IMAX. You got, oh. I got black bars. So I didn't even actually get something <laughs> shot in IMAX See, and then put on the IMAX cell. I hoped mine was the wormhole, but it turns out yeah, it's the, like the, the, six sorry. frames before the wormhole. Gargantua is the big winner. There's a great shot of Gargantua and Angle, and I'm looking at one mm-hmm. on eBay right now for about 70 bucks. I'm not going to buy it. Don't do that. And then there's another great shot of um, the, uh, uh, the ship, um, the ranger ship that mm-hmm. goes, goes going off the ice planet. Ah, that's another my, one of my favorites. Fucking Matt Damon. Um. <laughs> anyway, you don't get. You're not going to get that with um, the IMAX. I don't think you're going to get that with the. Uh, I, I guess Digital? they will. They'll make. They will have to the make prints. prints. Yeah, they'll make the prints. So maybe. Um, I thought this was kind of a dumb promotion until I started seeing people. Like people are literally piecing together bits of the film on message boards. Which it's is not awesome. the entire film. No, no, it's not the entire film, but they're but they're like getting these super high resolution stills we would normally never have access to. What they're to. doing on message boards, they're trading. Yeah. People are mailing their film their film cells into people with scanners. Like high quality high quality film, film scanners, scanners yeah. and then getting sixteen thousand pixel wide one gigabyte TIFF files <laughs> that they can send to a, a photo lab. Why not just send a ping can you, can you man? Put a link out for that? Yeah. Oh yeah. I'll send you a link. <laughs> are they on eBay? It's on the site, I think, what, actually. This is yeah. worth Norm. This cell, yeah. This cells, this one is probably worth like five bucks. Valueless. Five bucks. Yeah. yeah I wonder how many people just threw their cells in the trash. They didn't even know they were in the box. No, it's it's. It was the first thing I looked at when I opened mine. Really? And I didn't know that I was going to get that when it came in the mail. Mm. I was like, oh, an IMAX film cell. That, oh, oh, it's just it's just. I mean, it's, a, they got to make they got to make those Blu-rays more attractive. Cool. And I, I like this more than you know like a crappy figurine. You know, if you that, Google IMAX digital resolution, it brings up a tested article. That's it does? Google's auto answer is a tested article. Nice. Yeah, no, it isn't. Awesome. Look, I think it's because you're. Are you? Are you searching? Um, <coughs> are you searching? This uh, is incognito. A, okay. No, I'm not. I mean, it's it's funny to look at the the IMAX resolution because when you go to Marvel, it's like we'll feature IMAX's exclusive aspect ratio, providing moviegoers a uniquely immersive experience. And you go to IMAX, and it's like we broke the mold. One dot four three dot one, which offers IMAX moviegoers up to forty percent more of the image than standard cinemas. And then you get into like the aspect ratio article on Wikipedia, and it's basically like this fits nothing. Yeah. 
Oh, wait. Yeah. It kind of fit old television. If you have two 16 by 9 screens and you rotate them so they're vertical. Right. And then there's no bezel. That's pretty much it. That's 14 by 4 by 3? Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Um, no, it's not four by three, but it's know. like it's IMAX-y. It's awfully close. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm super excited to see a full film, a full. Like there have been full IMAX films, but they're like right. sixty minutes because of the the old bulb times, um, and they're more like documentary style landscape stuff. But I'm really excited to see a full action movie. narrative yeah. story in IMAX, shot in IMAX. And really, I don't mind that it's only 6,000 lines because it's whatever you're projecting. Meters, 6,000 lines. Um, what you're, I do care yeah. about is that with the system, they'll be able to use the IMAX lenses. Just, right. And they're going to, with that big sensor, they get the same type of depth of field and 4 by 3 storytelling. Remember, remember, Norm, Phantom Menace was only 1080p and look how wonderful it I was. Know. Phantom Menace look like in 20 years, Phantom Menace is going to not age well. Hopefully George Lucas will come back and make it better. <laughs> I don't think you can reshoot that stuff. I gotta go, man. I can't deal with it. <laughs> like, think about it. The, the next remaster will be redoing all the CG and green screen stuff in the Phantom Menace because, and someone's gonna have to pull up all the assets and re-render. But all the acting will still be blurry 1080p interlaced. Well, yeah. you know. The only thing better than bad acting is bad cinematography of bad acting. Mm. I just you can't uh, fix that. Um, hey, Norm. Yep, I, th- I think it's time for the VR minute. Chan, what's going on with VR? Big news this week. John Carmack tweeted. No, he tweets really regularly. I know, I know, but I was just like, what's the what's the Carmack tweet of the week? Uh, the Carmack tweet of the week. I think that's actually a registered trademark of Giant no, Bomb. Carmack actually does more posting on Facebook now. What? All his meaningful stuff Cause is it's too, on, it's on, long. on Facebook. It's, it's long and also... It's, it's hard it's, to explain formulas in 144 man. characters. Exactly. Oh, right. He's <laughs> on, he's, I was going to say, why is, he, why is he not on Medium? But I, now I know. He's a company man. Oh. Um, Oculus announced that the consumer version will be released first quarter of next year. What are they calling it? Oculus Rift. They called it the Rift. The Rift. The Oculus is yeah. Rift, which one clears up some of the nomenclature. People didn't uh, yeah. know if the you know what the company's name is. Is company is company Oculus or Oculus VR? The company is Facebook. Well, <laughs> is the brand Oculus or Oculus VR? It is still Oculus VR. Okay. They are releasing the Rift, and they release two renders of what it looks like, and it will be quarter one two thousand. 16 with pre-orders in the second half of this year. Now, they did specifically say, and it really looks like the ergonomics of this are based on Crescent Bay. So both the screen ergonomics, the lenses, and then the actual way you put it on your head. Just from looking at having worn the Crescent Bay a couple times and looking at the renders, I can almost feel like how light it's going to be. Like lightness (laughs) is going to be a big thing for them. Yeah. Uh, which is good. Well, I mean, after we've seen the other stuff that people have done and, and the differences in weight, like they have to be light if they're going to be comfortable. They didn't talk about screen at all, and a lot of technical details will come out. They didn't talk about any technical next details. Week. They did say it will have a better position, more accurate positioning system than Crescent Bay, and they finally said this will be something that can be used both standing up and sitting down officially. So, so basically, it seems like they said, we took the stuff that we learned from Crescent Bay and have applied it to this, and that's kind of where they left it, yeah. right? Crescent Bay now being at least like almost a year old in terms of the Nine months, stage. Yeah. So what are your assumptions about those two little antenna-looking things on the front of the headset? 
Do you think that it's going to be a wireless headset by any chance? No way. No, no, no way. way. It's wireless. No, no, no way. I think those antenna things actually were speakers. You think they might they be headphones. little headphones? The little headphones. They'll fold back and yeah. go over your ears. After yeah. using HoloLens and hearing how like those little the little speakers, basically like the external ear speaker is not headphones, how what a nice sound field you get out of those. It wouldn't surprise me if that's a direction a lot of people go. It will have a microphone built in. Okay. Um, so you have some sort of voice control? Hello. 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 I think the microphone built in is an incredibly important part of the social stuff, as we talked about last week, that yeah. Carmack is working on. You're going to need integrated microphone. And having a microphone built in means that they can position that. They know they know like where your mouth is relative to the speaker or the mic, and then everything's going to sound right. If, if they're doing voice control, what do you think they're going to call their voice? You know, like we have Alexa, we have Siri, I don't think we have voice okay, Google. I think it'll just be... Oi, Palmer! Another, a, oh. another way to communicate. Okay. Um, they did say that input... Is something that they will be showing soon. They said Palmer has been working on it a lot. It's like, his pet project. Yeah. So well, why did they say that? Uh, Palmer said it's his pet project on uh, in a Reddit post mm-hmm. in a Reddit mm-hmm. comment, and they did say in the blog post that input is something that they would be showing. They had a list of details yes. they would be unveiling, talking exactly. more about, and one of those was input. Was input. Presumably, is this is not, leading up to E three in, yeah. in six weeks, right? This is not a confirmation that input will be part of the Rift yeah. release, though. Which is the worry. I mean, part. here's the, here's the thing: if they make something available, I'm that's great. It's if they're shipping this in Q1 of 2016 and they don't have the input device to developers who are making games today, it's not going to matter because if you, you, it's not like if you're building a VR game right now, you're for Oculus. Presumably, you're building it for gamepad, joysticks, you know, virtual cockpit joysticks like Elite or um, keyboard and mouse. You're you're not going to jam in some sort of VR input control in the last six months of the gameplay and the game development. Now that's something that if you look at uh, the follow-up, John Carmack has now actually started posting on Facebook critiques of gameplay design for Gear VR releases only for developers who opt in, in, who want like I want your feedback. This is like the best thing that for a developer you're getting not only from an experienced game designer, and we think of Carmack as an engineer, but he also helped design a lot of those games. Whoa. And he also, in building the technology for VR, he is he has a firm grasp on what works and what doesn't work, both on a technical level and on a gameplay level. So for the first game he did was uh, Nighttime Terror, which we talked about in our Gear VR review. That's the one where it's like uh, third person, you're, you're looking over this bedroom and everyone is like, tiny characters are small, it's running around like a two-six shooter type of thing. And he gave birth a lot of, like, a tech, first a lot of technical cr- critiques of like, Rendering how how they could optimize rendering, you know, for their thir- sixty how they can get sixty frames versus thirty frames. But the most interesting stuff was in his gameplay critique. Wow! And the gameplay critique, he talks he got into the minutia of like field of view about like just like little things, feedback for users that would enhance their their experience, not just for VR games, but games in general. It's a lot of little details. He did the one thing he said that I thought was really interesting was he really wished that they gave everyone who bought a Gear VR a controller. Yeah. Hmm. Which means the <laughs> signal is kind of like from a, it's maybe, it maybe is indicative like of what the Rift will have, but from his perspective, he really wants everyone, there will be parity. Now this goes back to like the Microsoft, the Xbox One doesn't need Connect, should Connect come with it type of thing. Because if you're forcing developers to develop for multiple input methods and to have the default be the, the presumably the worst input method. The touchpad on the side of the thing, yep. yeah. Then that's going to 
the great experience for everyone. Yeah, well, the problem is when you're developing a VR game, you have a limited, you know, audience to begin with. Mm-hmm. People who own the headset. Yeah, right. And, and you, then you, if you you want to come, you know, at least uh, make a game that everybody can play that has the headset. And I mean, if the Gear VR thing is what two hundred bucks. How much did it cost? Two fifty is a new one. Yeah, two fifty for essentially some lenses, plastic, and the tiniest bit of logic, and some that a seems expensive. Bit of yeah, um, the funniest part about this post is this Carmack post is is Norman Chan, Mark Zuckerberg, and three hundred and fourteen others like this. When I look at it on Facebook, so congratulations, <laughs> yes. Norm. Nice to know. One it, degree off. It, it, it's plus because you we're affiliated on Facebook. Yes, Mark Zuckerberg's everyone's friend. Really? Is he the bo- is he Bob? Yes, not Bob. I'm well, uh, Tom. Tom. Facebook. Uh, uh, MySpace Tom. MySpace Tom. Uh, I, MySpace Tom follows me on Twitter, which I thought was really weird. That's cool. Yeah, that was a that was a weird moment. Um, but anything else out of the out of the Oculus stuff? I mean, it's good that they have a release date. It seems a little late. It seems like they should have done that at GDC to me. Um, I w- no, I think they probably released early. I think I don't think they well, were supposed to. I, did this? I mean, did they just announce this because of HTC? Somebody yeah. leaked and the Hololens. Oh. They, they, somebody, 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 okay. somebody broke an embargo. Got it. Yeah, yeah. It was funny because somebody asked me like, "Well, HTC's got the is it the Vive? The Vive? Vive? Sorry, it's just such a horrible name. Like, well, it's Steam VR. Call it Steam VR because that's okay. what it is. That makes okay. Steam VR makes much more sense. Cause like, because I was just sitting there and it's just like. Okay, with Steam behind them, they have a chance. But I remember thinking, like, HTC dropping a headset. No. The tech, you, okay. you didn't do the demo. I'm taking it. No. So the, the demo for that is the single most impressive tech demo I've ever had. Really? Yes. 18 minutes. The, like, you put, you've had Oculus demos before, uh, right? Yes. You put on the glasses, and then you hold your hands out, and somebody puts the controller in them, and you have to kind of fumble for it. Mm-hmm. With the Steam thing, you put on the glasses. They help you put the glasses on. The guy in the room holds the controllers out in front of you and says, grab them. And you reach out. The first time you reach out tentatively like you would with the other one, the next one he says, grab them. Like, just grab it. It's, it's where your brain expects it to be from the VR. Like, the one to, it's one-to-one real-world to VR world interaction. You can walk around a room. It was amazing. So basically the awesomeness of Steam applied to VR? I... You could, I could take that multiple ways. Yes, you could. Yeah, <laughs> but I meant it in a positive way. Yeah, in this it's particular. Instance. It's it is it is the single best application I had seen to date. So it was really good. Yeah, and, and I should point out this is the non-ironic or I'm face. I'm not being facetious. Yeah. Not like, picking it, up like, yeah. like we, we, is, we there's raw animal need for this to succeed coming off you in waves. Right, you now. did 18 minutes. It was an 18 minute demo that or thereabouts. And at the end of that, I would have gone right back in again. And, you know, literally, so, I joked, hook me up to the Soylent feed. I'm ready to go. Put me in, coach. No. I'm, I'm kicking out people in my house. I can put my, my uh, hollow suite. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What Valve did was they also made, made demos where you walked around a real physical space. Right. So you were in a 15 by 15 foot area where you could actually move through. So there was no fake movement through a space that gave you motion sickness. Everything was real. Okay. It was all one to one. Yeah, all of your movements were reflected in the virtual world, one to one, real movements. Does that mean? Okay, so that does that mean to successfully use it in my house, I have to make yes. children live in the? Yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and and I'm telling you, the experience is so strong, you're going to consider it. Yeah. Okay. How many, you have you have two kids? Do you really two need two kids? <laughs> I ask think myself of what a, that every morning. Think of what a character building experience would be for them to share a room for the next fifteen or sixteen. Well, they already years. share a room. Oh. Well, then think about what a character building experience it would be for them to live, you know, in a more rustic way in the garage or perhaps the in the backyard. Yeah, exactly. They can start by digging a, a basement under your crawl space. If it wasn't for the three year old's incredible ability to escape, 
uh, and run well, towards the largest trafficked area nearby. Yeah, tell me about that. I probably don't have to. Um, <laughs> the uh, yeah, so the the Vive stuff is is impressive despite okay. a terrible name. Five, five Vive. What does it seem VR? Um, any more thing else in the VR minute? That's good. That's it. Yeah, it was a surprise announcement for everyone. This has been the VR minute. And E3 is going to be super exciting. I think, I think everyone was definitely surprised, yes. You said someone leaked it? There was a, somebody bust broken embargo is my is our understanding. Yeah. didn't know that. Um, Tesla, Elon Musk uh, stood up on a stage in I think Los Angeles last week and announced the, the opening of Tesla Power. Is that what they're calling it? Uh, and Tesla Energy? Tesla maybe? Energy, yeah. right. And, and uh, the Power Wall. The Power Wall. Uh, as well as the Power Pack. So these are two battery systems. I think Safeway's here. Um, two battery systems. Uh, one is for home. One is for utilities. Uh, I'm going to start with the utility one because it's actually, I think, more interesting and more practical. The utility one is a 100 kilowatt hour uh, battery, utility scale battery that can power buildings. The idea is uh, a lot of uh, areas have mandated that power companies need to add the ability to store power for both uh, surge times and to store power during the downtime at night uh, so that so that they can up- hit surge times the next day. Um, and this is a scale they can do. Uh, they can scale these up to one terawatt, uh, gigawatt hour, sorry. Um, and they're already rolling them out. Like, that's a thing that's already happening. They're using the, all of this Tesla energy stuff is based on the excess capacity that's coming from the factory, the battery factory that they're building in outside Reno what they call Gigafactory 1, which is kind of a giveaway. Well, they said that the current batteries are coming out of their factory that's not the right. Gigafactory. But the, right. the, the presumption is this is all in anticipation yes. of them being able to make more batteries than they can jam into cars yeah. uh, in the next two years. Um, and the fact that they're calling it Gigafactory 1, I think, is also very telling. If, if you name a factory Factory 1... Does that make? Doesn't that make you think that you're going to have more than one factory at some point in the future? If it was anybody other than Elon Musk, you would start thinking of things of about hubris and and yeah, or, <laughs> yeah. or, or you know, petting a large, long-furred evil cat in your lap. But you know, the guys. As, as much as I despise the customer service experience at PayPal, the dude's built some pretty amazing stuff in ways that no one else is doing. Well, uh, and he was gone from PayPal by the time they developed the terrible reputation as yes. a customer service. Yeah, and, and I, I don't, I don't, I don't mean to drag him. Like, you know, the, the, the Tesla, the Tesla cars are amazing. I mean, I'm, I'm really curious. I was, I was super excited about this, and then I was less excited about this because the price is amazing. It's like thirty five hundred dollars for I think the seven. Uh, that's the ten. That's the ten. Yeah, thirty five hundred for the ten. Yeah, three thousand for the seven. Okay, thirty five hundred for the ten, but they're so different. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing, and they don't include inverters because yeah. I. And that was when my, my excitement started to get tempered because it's you know it's kind of a complicated balancing act. And the other thing is these are for home use. Just, yes, so yeah, I understand that. But uh, but I'm saying like to make this useful in your home. I'm telling them. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> I'll just sit down and shut up. No, no, you're good. The, uh, but it, it's just kind of like I've been playing around with with wanting to do solar, um, and it's been it's been really interesting. For example, we just you know we had a few weeks without a dryer because we were waiting for a, a, a new dryer to show up, and it was crazy. Our electric bill went down thirty percent. Yeah. Oh, you have an electric dryer? Yes. Oh, yeah, that's a mistake uh, out here. Well, it is and it isn't. I mean, it, it's becoming a mistake as they start pushing the the rates at our our little municipal uh, electrical. Uh, so you got solar. Carbon. 
I, I've been I've been flirting with solar. You for haven't a while. done it yet. I haven't okay. done it yet because there's there's an issue with like a tree next to my house, and also I realized a lot of our electrical consumption takes place at night, and because um, you know, I'm I'm torn because one thing like natural gas is great, but natural gas still comes out of a hole in the ground, and I like the mm-hmm. idea that you know electricity comes from the sun, right? Right. There's, there's something very compelling about that. But natural gas, the rate for natural gas here is so much lower than the rate for electricity because yes. we're still paying off Enron, you know, Enron debt. It seems like well. Um, the so okay so so the two batteries there's a seven kilowatt right. hour um, that's designed for daily the batteries are different there's different battery chemistry yes. in them the seven kilowatt hour the smaller one is designed for daily charge cycles so the idea there is that you either charge it off of solar during mm-hmm. the day when you're not at home and not using it and then draw from that at night when you want to run your electric dryer right. and your you know and your cooking and stuff like that watching TV playing Xbox or um, alternately, you can if you don't have solar, you can charge it up at night during the uh, you know in, in California you can do what's called time of time of use metering, where you have a smart meter and they charge you more for electricity during the peak time from one o'clock to five o'clock in the afternoon when people are running their air conditioners, and then less late at night when capacity is high and and a use is low, because um, it's apparently cheaper to just pay people like to to use electricity rather than ramp down power stations and stuff like that. So how long can how much can the 7 kilowatt hour? So I looked at my bill yesterday. Yep. Um I typically do about 30 kilowatt hours for the whole day. Um that's a that's a average day. Most of that use is focused between about 6 o'clock and 9 o'clock at night. So that's things like um, we've shifted a lot of that over the last two years by running the dishwasher at two o'clock in the morning instead of at night at, as soon as after dinner, basically. Um, but the stuff like running the washing machine takes mm-hmm. a lot of energy. Um, the TV, the 55 inch TV, the computers, the Xbox, you know, all the stuff that we use at night because we're entertaining ourselves is a massive drain on the grid. And this is something that people really don't track most people even with smart meters they don't they know how much they spend right but they don't know the distribution and and how that's all split up so the peak at night is about two kilowatts an hour Mm -hmm. um which is the basically the output of this battery the output that this battery can do so theoretically i could charge at three o'clock in the morning get the low rate and then my peak usage would come off of the battery or at least most of my peak usage would come off of the battery which because i'm in the very top tier of usage Because PG&E does this thing, which I think is probably a scam. They look at your usage versus all of your neighbors' usage, and they don't account for things like the number of people in the house and stuff like that. So if you use... Oh, you mean the shame letters? Yeah, the shame letters. If you use more power than your neighbors, then you basically get increasingly higher rates. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's funny, because there seem to be services where they're targeting... Not everybody adjusts the rates on that. For example, I get the shame letters from, from you know Alameda Municipal Power, mm-hmm. and it's, it's really, really irritating, because on one hand, they're like, you know, the, I mean, first of all, it's it's kind of hysterical because they're like, ways you can save electricity, you could move to LED lights. And it's like, okay. I did that. Yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah, I did that three years ago. Yeah, you know it did I mean? nothing. Like, um, well, it did something. It's bit. just a minute amount of electricity, yeah. right? You know, you can turn devices off when you're not using them. Did that, you yeah. know, but it's like, but it comes down to like, you know, they have all of this stuff on their website. It's like, go with green power. We have green resourceable energy. Mm-hmm. But if you use it, we're going to slam you. Yeah. It's um, good for 50% higher rate of your already high rate. Yeah. And, but, and ours is different because they don't calculate ours based on time. It's a flat. You get 
X amount for this much money, then you get another like 20% for oh. 20% more, and then they double your cost, everything above that. And, you know, and it's like you use, you know, 50% more energy than your neighbors. Well, my neighbors are, you know, retired and living alone, retired and living alone, a widow, a retired and divorced living alone, a widower living alone, right. uh, another widow living alone, another retired person living alone, um, you know, and a lot of them are also running gas appliances in volume. And it's like, you know, it's, it's interesting to watch because, you know, they, on one hand, they're like, you know, we have green, sustainable energy options to fill all of your electrical needs. And on the other hand, they're like, shame, shame on you for using the electricity. Yeah. Um, and then it gets to be a whole mess because then they're also trying to push solar, but they can't. There's issues with the grid getting so much solar stuffed into it during the day. So right. and, and so the battery, the idea with the batteries is that it helps alleviate and, and smooth out the both the peaks and the valleys in the grid usage. 30 a day, 30 kilowatts hour. 30 kilowatts hour. I thought hours I was using more, and I just checked, and I'm using 27 with six people. Yeah. So, so you also have newer stuff in your house. Uh, so if you think about it, like I have a 15-year-old refrigerator because I have the one that came, came with right. the house when I bought it. So efficiencies matter a lot. Efficiency matters a ton. Yeah. And like we replaced like we replaced the dishwasher a few years ago, which was basically yeah. good for like $15 a month off of our electric bill. Yeah, Because I mean, we went to a Bosch. Instead of having a heating element to dry the stuff, it uses the hot water and convection heat. So we pay for gas right. to dry the dishes instead of electricity, basically. Yeah. Um, Anyway, have you done the math yet on how long it would take you to break? I don't think it's going to do it in 10 years. That's the thing. That's where solar gets in. Because like, you know, one of my neighbors is like, well, I went with, you know, insert large name of solar supplier. And I'm like, great. You just committed yourself to paying solar city or something like that. I assume. Yeah. Yeah. And then the rate they were paying was like, I think 60% higher than the base level on our local because they didn't, they didn't buy it. They didn't pay for it themselves. Yeah. They did the financing thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and they're basically, you know, they get the joy of having green solar, but they're paying like 50% more for their kilowatt. Well, so when I talked to the solar city people, Mm -hmm. um, about my house, they were basically the rate that they were offering over the over the usage that I do all day, because I pay for fifty percent of my month's electricity is basically the base rate, and then the other fifty percent is increasingly more expensive tiers. Right? right. Um, they would basically give me seventy five percent of the total average rate that I pay for the whole month's worth of electricity, which means basically I'm looking at 25% savings and they eat the cost of the panels, mm-hmm. which seems like a pretty uh, like that seems that seems right to me. Um, the battery, I don't know that the battery is ever going to like at this capacity and this out outflow. I don't think it makes a lot of sense for most people. Can you stack them? You can stack yes. up to nine of them, I think. So you can do, like, and, and when you stack a ton of them, you potentially could live off the grid. Um, you could live off the grid with one in a cabin in the woods. Yes. Low, low consumption, no yeah. TV, no dishwasher, mm-hmm. no washing machine, stuff like that. Yes. Oh, I don't want to stress about power. Yeah. I could do a cell phone battery. Think about, <laughs> right? think like, about battery anxiety in your phone and in your, if you have an all electric car multiplied to, am I going to be able to have, you know, am I going to be able to wash my dishes tonight? Right. And, and I don't, but, I mean, all, but part of that's also is is being honest about the amount of electricity you want to use, then right. buying the storage capacity you need. I mean, like you said, you know, it's appliances. It's funny because like some appliances, you know, lamps. Like once you go from if you've already gone from incandescent to CFL, going from CFL to LED is not going to make a big difference. Right. Uh, and the reality is, is if you have an electric stove and you cook at home a lot, you know, you're going you know going from incandescent to LED is barely going to be noticeable unless you've got the full Liberace. Like I have ten thousand light bulbs. In my right. house that are all 100 watts. Um, um, well, but I mean, 
going from going from an electric range with the with those burners to an right. induction range though can save you a fair yes. amount of money. Those are those are much more efficient. Yeah. And as a result, you'll you'll save money. Same yeah. thing. Like looking at looking at if you have a 15 year old dishwasher, you can save a, a, a 50 bucks a year easy. Um, and that that a five hundred dollar dishwasher at fifty dollars a year is ten years, which is how long the dishwasher will last. So you'll break even at least. Yeah. Plus, if you replace, wait till your old dishwasher dies to replace it, yeah. you actually have a functioning dishwasher again. Yeah. Norm, do you have six people in your house? Does anybody cook in your house, or does everybody eat out? Most people eat out. Yeah, yeah that's the thing. That's the microwave, a, big... a lot of microwaves, though. We have a gas, so but the microwave's pretty efficient. Yeah, I, I guess it's still. What about laundry? Do you get laundry. a gas gas dryer? It's gas. Yeah. See, yeah, that makes up a difference. Gas. Um, and then computers. you made them all turn their computers yeah. off when they're not the, there. The biggest difference. Yeah. Hmm. Don't leave your computers on during, nice. the, during the day. Do you leave the server on during the day? Yeah. Server's on during the day. But that's low power. Yeah. Yeah. So that, so that stuff, like that stuff adds up. It's one of those things. If you want to find out where you're really using power, the best way to do it is to get a power meter and walk yeah. around and plug everything into it and see what the hog is. Yeah. A kilowatt's really amazing. Yeah. And you'll probably, if, if you have like big 240, 240 volt appliances, you're going to need, um, you know, a full-on clamp-on electric meter. To yeah. When we say kilowatt, that's the name of the device. Yes. Kilowatt. You, you can get it on Amazon for like 15 or 20 bucks, and it will you will get that money back quickly if you if you use it to tell you what you should be turning on and off. Um, okay, so the 7 kilowatt hour is designed for daily cycling. That means, that literally means you charge it at night or during the day on solar, and then you you run it during the during the night. Um, you run it whenever you need, draw. When, we're, when your power is expensive, you run off of it. Um, and presumably you set that up with software and it knows to flip on and flip off. I don't understand exactly where it plugs in. Like if you have a solar setup, you probably plug it in into the inverter between the, the, on the DC side of the solar power stuff. So they use the same inverter for both. I believe it, so. They have a list of inverters that'll work with it and, and that's, that's part of it. It's, it's, it's weird. It's man. The, the inverter changes the DC and the battery into the AC that the stuff in your house uses. Yes. Yeah. And then essentially that, that and vice versa. Yeah. When you and, charge and that the utility uses. Yeah. Um, utility does not want your your DC voltage. No, no, but it's not though. Tesla lost Edison one. Yes, um, <laughs> the uh, no pun intended. So the ten kilowatt hour is designed as a battery backup. So it's designed to replace, say, a, an on demand generator. If you live someplace where you get a lot of snow or inclement weather and your power goes down a lot, like my my parents' house in Virginia, they live at the end of a of a six mile long road where they're like one of eight customers. So if there's an ice storm, they're basically the last people to get the power turned back on. Um, and in that case, it's designed as a backup to to cover spy, uh, surges and and sags on the on the overall line. But at ten kilowatt hours. It's not going to replace their generator because their generator, all they need to keep it running for two weeks is to keep pouring gas into it once a day. Um, and with this, Do they have an automatic cutoff. Yeah, it automatically cutoff? flips over. It's, it's I nice. mean, the we so where the house that I grew up in, we also lived out in the country. It wasn't quite that remote, but we had the thing where you could just unplug certain things from the breakers and then right. jam a thing in. Um, and that would run the fridge and the right. and the, the range and that stuff, and we could run the TV. I'm about to put heater. a generator, like a sub panel and a generator transfer switch on our place. It's yeah, one of my big goals this year. I mean, for the amount of times that I have power out here, it's probably not worth the expense. Um, but for them, it makes it it makes it means that they don't have to go stay at somebody else's house when there's a big right. snowstorm. Um, this doesn't solve that problem. This is for, this is actually kind of for your. I, I mean, I don't know what the power is like in Alameda. 
but where we are, we get two outages a year and they're usually about 20 minutes. Yeah. And this would totally cover you, but it costs $3,500. I think I can live without power for a couple hours a year. Well, yeah. I mean, in, in, uh, it's interesting because like, uh, obviously for, you know, if you're living in the Southeast, if you're living in places that get hammered with storms or something like that, um, it's probably a lot more compelling for me. It's because we, you know, we go, you know, we pick a lot of vegetables and, and harvest. We basically like process, you know, we'll go out and pick 70 pounds of peaches and process and freeze them. Mm-hmm. And if I lose two freezers, you know, if the, if the two, fair, yeah. yeah, you know, I don't want to have to deal with like having a generator, five extension cords and running around, you know, you don't have to go to the store and buy dry ice when there's a yeah. horrible storm going. Well, and you know, the stores around here aren't going to be, if there's an earthquake, I'm not going to be able to, you know, buy dry ice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if there's an earthquake, we're just going to live in the backyard in a tent off the grid. Um, so you can stack multiples of the 10 kilowatt hour as well. I, I feel like this is like that is probably a product for people. Like if you have long term medical care issues and you need a fallover for the the th- you know half day power outages, right. that that stuff's great. I don't know exactly who else that product's for, um, and it's only designed for 50 charge cycles a year. So you can't. It's not like the 10k one to kilowatt hour one is is 30% or 50% better than the seven kilowatt hour one. It is a completely different product um, that is very clearly not for everyone. Chemicals. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, I, I don't, I'm interested to see how this goes. They're already sold out according to the Tesla earnings call until the middle of 2016. Wow. Um, did any of you watch the keynote? It was yeah. interesting seeing an Elon keynote. I'd never seen one before. I, th- I mean, you, we've talked a lot about the cost of it and it sounds like it's not, it's something that you might break even on it after 10 years, maybe longer. So it's not something that makes a whole lot of financial sense. But Elon made a big deal about the green sense of it. And I, I was pretty impressed by the maps that he showed about how much of the United States would need to be covered in batteries in order to store yeah. enough power to get the entire country off batteries of Batteries or solar cells? Both. both. He did so, both. Both. So he showed how much would need to be solar cells. And it was a big square in the middle country. Not big. I mean, size of maybe Rhode Island right. for the entire country. But then the, a single <laughs> pixel in the center of it was the battery pack right. that would need to power. That's you would amazing. need to store the whole It was very battery. like looking forward looking. Yeah, very much yeah. so. And, and Just got to think about all the robots you need to clean the solar cells. And, <laughs> well, and, and the power storage thing, like that was literally a joke in Batman Returns. Remember, Christopher Walken, the villain, was building a power plant that was really a capacitor that could store power for when we needed it most. And it was it was it was a joke. Max it, is, it is a real <laughs> Max Trek. Exactly. It was a but the but the fact that our power grid is all on demand and there's essentially no way to store power. Um, there's a lot of experimental ways that do like physical storage of yeah. pumping compressed gas into salt into salt caves. Well, that the, then we used wind turbines to generate out yeah. and, and stuff like that. Well, or the reservoirs. There's a reservoir here in California where they pump the water into the reservoir when they have an excess of electricity, right. and then when they want to generate electricity, they let the it's it's staggeringly inefficient. They do that in in Austria or Ger- Switzerland or Germany, someplace in the mountains as well. And like, it was a pilot program. They were like, I think we think we could probably do this. Um, but yeah, anytime you have mechanical transfer, you're losing 60 or 80% of the, of the, of the, um, energy that you put into it. So anyway, um, wind is not the solution either. The, the, the solution is a melange of different, uh, solutions, right? There's no one magic bullet. Nuclear. I think we need the giant space-based mirrors that reflect light down onto Earth. I think that would be cool, and also an awesome weapon. So you know, <laughs> I was just to say, right? right up until somebody like hiccups at the control the, the, and vaporizes some guy falls of, asleep and, and well, that, that was that was actually the plot of Die Another Day. <laughs> yes, yes. Just think how cool it would be to be able to write your name on Kansas, you know, with the burning swath of death and destruction. <laughs> Maybe not. I don't know. 
Um, this is a big story. Spotify and Apple. Spotify is. It seems like somebody is finally going to challenge Apple's 30% take on the App Store for all sales that go through apps. So this is, if you remember, like three years ago when the Kindle app, you suddenly couldn't buy books in the Kindle app anymore. Right. Amazon it's, said, yeah, Amazon, it. yeah. Well, Apple said, hey, we want 30% of every book sale through our app. And Amazon told them to pound sand and just took all that functionality out and made it just a reader. So now if you want to buy... If you want to buy an app on a, a book on the on for Kindle on your iPhone, you have to open Safari, navigate to Amazon, Which find the book. Fine. It's not a big deal. Not a big it's deal. It's a little bit of a hassle. Um, Spotify and and seems the music labels are saying, look, this thirty percent take is anti competitive now that Apple has its own music well, service there, and beats. There's also I mean the the, the, the the sort of sub story on this is that Apple is pushing record companies to to walk away from supporting free unpaid music services because they're trying to turn beats into something that's functional and it'll generate money. Well, um, I think also the music labels are trying to push the 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 free services away from the free service too. Like I it seems like UMG it. hates free services. Yeah, like it's both like Spotify the big ones right now, Spotify, Pandora, they both have free and paid options. Right. RDO has a free option and, as well. Yes, yeah. As well. But Beats um, Beats is not. Never Beats has. Beats has never had the uh, the free option. They have a short trial. Right. But um, that's different. Yeah. And the success for Spotify has been launching with paid only and then move, giving free to get new people in. Maybe, I don't know if they've reached a peak in terms of how many people are willing to pay. Uh, Pandora, complete opposite. It's it's always been free, but they also don't do deals with studios. But they also, they have a pay, you have, have a pay tier that's no ad. That no one pays for. Oh, really? That's higher, higher quality. Too. Higher quality, but the problem is that they launched as free and you can, it's tough to get... To launch this free and then say, by the way, you can pay. I I just think, I, okay. <laughs> I think for Spotify though, like I I think if you're Spotify or RDO, your ability to convert somebody from not paying to paying is much easier than trying a customer who's not paying to a customer who is paying than it is to convert not a customer into a paying customer. But what right? the difference is a transition are, period there because they've the way they've split up the free and the the paid is with free you can't choose. It's radio. I don't know if that's necessarily true, Will. I you mean, don't think so? No, but I mean, if you get a sense for, for how, of the value of something, you know, you have that sense once it's free, you think of it as a free service. But and I, if it's not free, then you see it as something that's valuable, then you, you just got to decide whether or not you want to buy in on it. I mean, maybe. I, I the price elimination right now between the biggest thing is mobile. It's yeah. being playing your car. Yeah. Yeah. Or when you're on the bus or whatever. For yeah. Me. Yeah. So, um, no one has sued anyone yet. It's oh, there. Is at the ready? There is a lot of talking. I'm super interested because, like the the is Apple going to be able to charge people? Like this could there. There's a lot of different ways this could go. It could be a tiny little decision that only affects Spotify and Apple. It could be a massive decision that affects everything that sells stuff through the App Store. Um, and and also the other part of this is that. There was a lot of conversation about um, what's what's Jay Z's new music service title? Yeah, um, charging more on the App Store because they charge twelve ninety nine, I think, instead of nine ninety nine um, for if you buy through the app versus buying through their website. So oh. it's the same service, but they're basically passing the thirty percent on to customers. Title's got so many problems right now. It's a host of problems, yes. But I think uh, Spotify is going to do the same thing if this isn't resolved. Does Apple allow that? I would think that would be against the rules. They, I don't think they can and not be anti-competitive. Yeah, I don't think Apple cares as long as they get their 30%. Right. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
but like, that was I, I don't know the title like like I was I was you know I kind of saw it I, I, I like you know I saw the announcement I read about it well that's nice and then I was watching some reactions to it and you know people were like yeah I want my insert whoever it was, you know, to make more money. And then like the other 99 people on this thread were like, you know, like those delete expletives aren't making enough to oh, yeah. expletive, yeah. you know, <laughs> money already. The people on that stage certainly don't have a problem. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, and it's funny because, you know, you, you mean the Batman villains, right? <laughs> but, but Patrick, I would think of all the people here, you'd be the court, you'd be the guy most likely to do title because you are an audio buff. You are, you know, an audio file. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's funny because I, I buy the CDs and then I, mm-hmm. I get a better copy i don't have to deal with whatever weird encoding choices they may or might or might have not made i don't have to deal with whether or not it's available or downloadable or transferable or playable on whatever i want to play it on me i buy cds like you know it's funny i got into a funny uh, conversation last week about hd tracks because from us like oh you know I, I just buy everything now on hd tracks i'm like i really want to like you know, I, I really want to believe that, that there's more goodness there, but I'm just not hearing something that makes me want to go from the, you know, the, 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 the PCM audio on the CDs to this, you know, spending another $18 well, to buy it. It's 16 bit PCM versus 24. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's 16, 44 kilohertz versus 24, yeah. 48, basically. Or, or, right? or, you know, 24, 192, right? And, and that's also yeah. what's funny is a lot of these sites that are selling high definition audio in many cases are, are either A, reselling the CD audio. I mean, in many cases, they have like, you know, 192 kilobit, you know, uh, 24 bit, 24, 192 kilohertz um, samples. But in other cases, they're basically just reselling the same, yeah. you know, 16, 44 audio that was on the CD. Well, if you're listening it through the crappy DAC on your iPhone, Phone, it doesn't matter, right? Yes, no, maybe, but it's it's kind of like it, it just gets really it gets really to answer your point though it gets really messy because for me if I'm gonna if I want a high definition audio file I don't want to deal with a streaming service I don't want to have to deal with you know I don't mind buying it directly from the artist you know part of my issue is in in so many of the artists are just like yeah we're getting paid you know and they're making obscene gestures towards you know Spotify or Pandora or YouTube and it's ironic because some of these artists basically have a career because of YouTube because nobody watches you know videos on MTV and and radio has a complicated relationship to to youth at this point and it's fun to watch them be like (laughs) Well, you know what I mean? Like it's, 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 it's funny, but you know, YouTube is this huge area for discovery for music and in like listening for to everything. People, yeah. For everything. And to listen to people be like, you know, YouTube needs to pay. And it's like, you have a career because of YouTube. You fly on jets. Dear Justin YouTube. Bieber. You know, love be, Vivo. I, yeah. You yes. know, so to watch that, to watch them try to blow that deal up is kind of like, you know, I mean, I, I, one of my early gigs writing was was um, working for. Uh, I did a bunch of freelance work for a magazine called uh, Guitar School, and you know, dealing with is is un as unpleasant as some of my dealings uh, with PR have been like, you know, when you, when you review a processor, you know, when there's back when there were still huge battles between like Intel and other companies, you know, and you'd get that phone call and they'd be like, you know, you know, you know, they, what, what testing method, what benchmarks did you run? Did they have the same amount of memory? Did you put a, you know, and you, we you, would, yeah, we would know. like to have reasons to justify your bad review to our superiors so that we aren't canned, which I'm, I'm one understand, you yeah. know, one hand I understand, but I, you know, I remember like at, at one point they actually, they, they, 
actually dropped the, you know, they had, there was a conversation and I, I basically explained to them like, no, I didn't run the $10,000 pair of hard drives to do our benchmarking and no, I didn't do this. And yes, I used the same amount of RAM. And then, you know, Intel dropped the price of their processor like 25% the next day, yeah. which was like awesome. But, you know, but to, as, as unpleasant as some of those conversations were, there is nothing quite so awesomely horrifying as dealing with a power mad PR person, you know, for a large pop act. Yeah. Um, because they're, you know. Well, they get what they want. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and in some cases, they managed to get their articles killed because it's, their demands were so ridiculous. It's, it's the, it's the, it's the Lester Bang speech from Almost Famous, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, did you guys see the SpaceX uh, pad abort test videos? Did you watch this? No. Yeah. What's that? So, you know, they're readying Dragon capsules for human flight. And one of the things that you have to do for that is to have a way to get the caps. Like if the rocket is going sour and it's still on the launch pad, it's not in the air. You have to have a way to get the capsule away from the rocket as fast as possible. So the Dragon capsule has rockets on it that will uh, accelerate at about 6 Gs max, mm. um, which I think is human survivable, but probably the astronauts inside will be unconscious really quickly. You can get past seven without going unconscious. But you have to, you have to clench. Uh, yeah, well, so if, yeah. They're not, if they aren't clenched, they're sleepy time. I don't think anybody's going to care if they get their ass <laughs> Right, no, no, no. If they're not <laughs> dead you know, or unconscious, I'll on, take unconscious yeah. every day. I'll take unconscious over immolated. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so they, they had the capsule, just the capsule, not, not on top of a rocket. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, they had the capsule just on the pad the, where they normally launch the giant rockets. It's this little tiny thing. Yeah. And they do the 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. And then it just is off like a Roman candle. It is unbelievably fast. This little tiny thing flying up. It went up uh, one like 1.1, 1.2 kilometers, got 1.2 kilometers downrange, wow. popped the parachutes, landed. Um, everything worked, seems like, reasonably well. Crash test dummies inside? Uh, yeah, they had dummies inside. Wow. Uh, Elon posted to Twitter, as he tends to, <laughs> and said that it went from zero to 100 in 1.2 seconds or something like that. Mm-hmm. Off the than, pad. Wow. Faster than a Bugatti. That's amazing. Yeah. Or a Tesla. Or a Tesla. Roadster. <laughs> um, kind of amazing. The video's worth watching. It's on the site if you want to check it out. So, um, Norm, LG announced the G4. We talked about this last week. We did? Yes. Wow. <laughs> did I sign the bathroom? Okay. So here's more good news, everyone. Enjoyed minute. Microsoft is killing Windows Media Center in Windows 10. No! Do you really, really? Do you still use Windows Media Center? I know a lot of people that use Windows Media Center. Well, you Center. hang out with a lot of crazy people. Uh, well, I do. Okay, Robert Heron used it. It was funny because I, I retweeted that article, and so many people use it with Seton tuners to record multiple streams of video off of their cable channels. Well, it's free TiVo. Or, yes. Yeah. Well, it's better than TiVo. It is It is more capable than TiVo. I would not call it better than <laughs> I TiVo. I use Windows Media Center since... Now, Windows Media Center is the full-screen takeover the ten foot yeah. version of, of, of Microsoft yeah. Windows, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the, one of the things... This is not Media Player. Media Player, that's like which a, I also still don't use. That's like Winamp. Right. Yes, that's Winamp. Yeah. Okay. Oh, my yeah. God. Timely. Llama's <laughs> ass whipping. Yes. Yes. The Llama's no. ass whipping was the best part of Winamp. Winamp. It, it really, really whips the Llama's ass. I mean, Media Player Classic is <laughs> de facto Media Player in my house. Really? I use VLC. I figured you'd use VLC. It takes a little too long to load. Media Player Classic, I can run so, I've gotten so soon. bad Dragon spyware trial. from Media Player Classic and the codec packs that it requires before. Oh, codec packs. No, no codec, codec packs. packs. Say, just say no. <laughs> um, okay, so 
media player classic. The thing that Microsoft said is that right. most of their data showed people who are using media player, Windows Media Center, are yeah. just using it to watch DVDs on their computer. And most of uh, most of the anecdotal guesswork around that is most of the people who report all of their stats to Microsoft are the kind of people <laughs> who still play DVDs yeah. and wonder why there right. isn't a VHS built into their computer. So... So the there was a pretty big market for a little while yeah. around people who were be- making media center PCs that had cable card tuners or Qualm tuner tuners. Um, Qualm is the encrypted, the unencrypted right. and encrypted cable. It's it's basically the digital cable signal that comes out of your wall now. I think there's a hardcore group of enthusiasts that do some amazing stuff with Windows Media Center, and I'm pretty sure none of them actually report any statistics to Microsoft, so they kind of help shoot themselves in the and foot. And it's probably a few thousand people. It's it, you know Maybe it's 10 or 20,000 people. Maybe yeah. it's 50,000 people. It doesn't really matter, because Microsoft wants to move all of this onto the Xbox right. anyway. Which makes... I mean, from a... From a perspective of Microsoft who I, I don't know at what point the consumer electronics manufacturers started bowing to the content creation companies um, the media companies but right. th- that happened in the last you know in the old days Sony would sue the MPAA so that they could keep making Betamax players right. and now not so much um, the 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 relationship that relationship requires closed boxes, and Windows is never really a closed box. Well, so, so well, yeah, I mean, cable cards on Windows Media Center were were sketchy at best, in my experience. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I nobody. I, once, once the the cable companies were basically told legally that they had to give up cable cards, it got a lot simpler. The Seton yeah. stuff's always been really good to use. Um, you know, silicon stuff. The silicon dust tuners are really, really good. Um, a, a lot of that stuff, though, like. Even when it worked well, it was still way fiddlier than, like I. One of the things I've tried to not be in the last five years is my family's. I. I mean, I'm still my family's IT guy, <laughs> but I'm not. I don't want to be the 24/7 IT guy. I want to be the preventative IT guy. Well, and I, if I, the DVR doesn't work, my wife's going to call me pissed right. wherever I am, and I don't. I don't want that. I want her to be happy. Well, I mean, in 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 I you know. Maybe it's just I maybe, you know, I know certain things enter into my house and stop functioning no matter how well they work anywhere else in the universe. Yeah. But most of the people I know have been using it, you know, haven't had that many issues with it. But they're also, you know, maybe I'm, I'm, I, I would love to figure out, like, how many of them are, are single males versus people living in a family environment. See, um, I, sing, the, the threshold for me as a single guy versus the threshold for me as a married guy with a kid. Vastly different. Wildly different. Yeah. I want everything out of the box. No customization. Right. Defaults. Give me a harmony and we're good. Yeah. yeah. Give me a harmony and a spare harmony someplace the children can't reach yeah. and the application on, on all of our Yeah, phones. emergency harmony is very important. <laughs> um, so It is a bummer that it's going away. So they're rolling it into the DVR features coming to the X-Bone. If you have the preview update... No, no, they've said. Okay. You can, right now, you can well, plug They say a, a lot of things. You know that you're going to be able to write an application once and it'll work in any Windows 10 <laughs> They've been saying that for like five years. Yeah. Well, you know, they oh, said yeah. it with Java back in 1995, too. Well, but the future is the network computer, Patrick. Java is just, we're going to all have a bunch of dumb terminals and they're going to be the interfaces for the front end and the back end stuff is going to come across the internet. And that's actually, I think, going to happen, when I was which a, is weird. I don't know. It works a lot better than it yeah. did last time around. Um, the DVR feature is on Xbox One now if you have the right Hop Hog tuner. And um, it's not a, like a record what you want DVR. It's a you can roll back in time 30 minutes DVR right now. Yeah. So it's but not presumably really a, they're yeah. going to put record functionality in the future for OTA stuff. And least. it would be nice to be able to tie it into some of the cable card devices that are out there. I thought cable card was a was on the wane. I thought there's a new thing now, right? Well, let's not even go down okay. that rat hole. Okay. <laughs> um, 
the uh, Comcast has a 4K cable box coming later this year. Wait, now I'll be able to get 4K from my cable provider from Comcast. At what bit rate? Huh. I would assume low, <laughs> whatever one they decide yeah. to give you. Um, it'll be presumably. I mean, if this is anything like the HD rollout was, it will start with two channels. One of them will probably be a sports channel. Yeah. Um, the other one will have a bunch of action cam footage. Um, if you've used that Sony 4K Unlimited, their video on demand 4K service, it's basically like a couple of short films and some promotional reels and then stuff from Sony's action cam line that supports 4K 60 um, or 4K 30. I don't know which one it is, but it looks pretty good. Um, but I mean, nobody's making like nobody's shooting 4K. The unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt is not in 4K. <laughs> no, neither is Daredevil. Right. Yeah. So. House of Cards um, the only one. What is House of Cards? Yeah, it's 4K, That's right? Season three. Yeah. Um, Lucasfilm confirmed that Indiana Jones 5 is still going to happen. Kathleen Kennedy just said that they they are not closing the door on that. There's no script. They don't even know if Harrison Ford is going to be in it or wants to do it. Eh, I mean, there How were like rumors out there earlier this year that Chris I, Pat was going to do it, but I don't know if. Trust world's gonna I could that. imagine that Spielberg wants to redeem himself. That's After four? Uh, yes. The abomination. I, I kind of feel like I should go back and watch that again because I saw it in theaters and then haven't seen it since. Oh, man, yeah. And I, I bought that Indiana Jones Blu-ray box set because I wanted the first two movies and also the third movie. <laughs> and I haven't watched the, like, I, the fourth yeah. one is just sitting in a sleeve in a folder someplace in my garage. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, something happened there that he wants to fix. Hey, Norm, you mm-hmm. have a Samsung Galaxy S6 there yep. right in front of you. Mm-hmm. Which camera do you have? I'm finding out right now. There are, there are two different cameras in Samsung Galaxy S6s and S6 Edges. Really? Um, one, some, some are using Samsung sensors. Some are using Sony sensors. Um, and a si- Samsung site called Sam Mobile did side-by-side comparisons, which seemed to bear out the Samsung claim that both sensors are really good, guys. Don't worry if you have the one that's bad. Um, there's slight exposure differences. Uh, and some color. And a little bit of, yeah, a little color, color processing difference. Uh, I am not sure. How do which, you tell? Uh, you can actually dial a code into your, into your phone. Like pound 69? No, star close. It is star pound three four nine seven one five three nine pound. Oh, that's easy. Which will bring up, of course, uh, a debug menu. <laughs> what does it spell? Does it does spell camera on the touchstone pad or something? No. <laughs> I'm gonna find out which one I have. Come on, which one do I have? Come on, Norm. Oh, come on. Because this is the first. This is the first phone you've tested that you liked the camera on better than the iPhone. Yes. Um, so if, I mean, you could have split results there. Who knows? No, I mean, the, the, the comparison photos, they look almost exactly Yeah, I, I couldn't tell a difference on the yeah. comparison photos at all. Um, while I you're looking I, I at think that I up, have the, uh, the Sony. Sony. Yeah, the Sony. Okay, yes. that's the good one, right? Based on, based on the, the Google search results on the code I typed in, it is a Sony. Good, good news, Norm. <laughs> <laughs> Take that, um, nice of cell. Microsoft's offering 150 bucks for old Surface RT tablets if you uh, want two. to apply that. Up, up to. Two. If you want to apply that to a Surface 3 purchase. Uh, I think $150 is very generous for a Surface RT. If you bought a Surface 2 (laughs) and, you know, ARM is not going to be supported really going into the future of Windows 10. That's a shocker. Then get that $150 off. And from the early reviews of Surface 3, you know, it is, even though it's atom powered, it's 
really capable. It's going to be way better than the thing you have right now. Yep. <laughs> we should take that one that you broke the kickstand on, see if we can get 150 bucks for toward a Surface no, 3. I have a, I have a Surface 2. We can, we can okay. Try if we want. We if take really both. Wanted. I don't think they'll, they don't stack. I was going to say, stack. are you using it for anything now? But no. obviously not. No. <laughs> nope. We don't even have any doors in this office that we need to prop open. It's a little sad. Oh, my goodness. Um... The uh, Apple announced that they're doing a third-party licensing program for Apple Watch straps. So this is interesting. This um, is a good. This is good. Yes, this is it good. Is. We didn't know coming out of uh, the Apple Watch launch whether uh, Apple was going to let people officially license watch bands. I think it's shitty that they waited until after everybody bought the expensive watch bands from them. Probably. Oh, yeah. oh my goodness. Wow, this would be strange. Jeremy, Holy open cow. Your, Jeremy, open your box now so I can be the only one at this table without an Apple Watch. I don't, I, it's funny, like, that blue know, really brings out the color in your eyes. You know, I have a shirt that this matches, which is kind of frightening, but notice what, what button it's on. That's the, so in order to make this actually You fit, need to get that a little tighter. Is that um, the big strap? That's that's the big strap. You have beefy wrists though. Yes, like I, I have dainty girl wrists. My wrists are at the far end. Like I want I want your strap. <laughs> don't don't leave that phone laying around because I will steal the strap. Well, off don't your phone. you have a? They oh, don't give you a because with the plastic ones you get like a, a longer get, piece, yeah, and a shorter yeah. piece. This, this is but the, obviously with the metal with ones, the loop, it's just one piece. It's just one piece. Yeah. They don't give you like a second thing yeah. that you could because you can also mix and match colors too. If you trade with Ooh, people, very swatch, right? Yeah, you trade. Jeremy right. just picked up his Apple Watch today. <laughs> woohoo! Um, back to the news story, <laughs> though. Woohoo! I gotta be honest with you. I I want so much to like this because I've I've I, I you know I, I don't really wear watches, but boy, there's just not much you can do with this. It's well, it's, it's a watch. It's yeah. really good at notifications. Yeah, and well, that was funny because I, I emailed a bunch of my friends who are super psychotic early adopters and not journalists yeah. psychotic early normal adopters people. normal people yeah. um, and and they were all like you know it was it was notifications 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 fitness fitness yep and 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 dot, Tracking, dot, dot. yeah yeah and and nothing i couldn't do with a fitbit but i like the interface on this better i think that uh, having used that fitbit surge with the heart rate mm -hmm. sensor I think it's uh, that this heart rate sensor is significantly better than the Fitbit Surge. Does, it, does yours find your heartbeat in like less than a minute? Because mine's always like, mine's um, like it, test, it checked mine a minute ago, then I have to wait for like 30 seconds while it figures out my heartbeat. Yeah, you, you got beefy arms. That's why. <laughs> yeah, look at all that hair. I mean, um, so the news story though is uh, Apple, while they are going to license the uh, the connector, right? Um, there are already Kickstarters that are that are for third party bands that are right. unlicensed actually tap into. The power port, yeah, and there are power bands coming out because this thing isn't already entirely too heavy. You need, yeah. you know, six ounces of, of exactly lithium. additional weight on, in the band. Those aren't officially licensed. I, the thing is, the power has not been a problem for me at all. I finish every day with more than fifty percent battery. Like do I could, you do I could, it, do you use it? I mean, I use it like I use a watch. I've smartwatch. I'm not, I'm not new to smartwatches. I used a Pebble Steel for a year. So See, I am new to smartwatches, and I've been trying to use it. And maybe that's why I keep running out of power. But I realize, like, I have to plug this. I have to charge this every night. What phone are you on? Uh, iPhone six. Okay. Yeah. I have you. Did you did you pare down your notifications, or did you still have two hundred notifications a day hitting the, that the thing? The first thing I did was like turn off notifications for email. Yeah. You know, because I, I got like bing, a run of bing, of, of yeah. Bing, I, I thought I was about to weep. Bing bing um, bing 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 <laughs> bing bing bing. Um, Jeremy, we have an unboxing. Jeremy just opened his dun, box. Which one did you get? Dun, space gray. Space gray. Forty two aluminium. Space gray. You'll be happy. I haven't seen a black aluminum. 
Oh, wait, now you have. It's space that's, gray and it's not black. Gray. I haven't seen the space gray aluminum uh, watch. Just to clarify something you said a minute ago, did they announce support for the port? They did no, not. The third no. party. So okay. Apple the port is no for no port. one. That's just someone. They've never even acknowledged yes, it. Yes, correct. It, People, it's on yeah. the drawing. <laughs> but it's not they don't it's not labeled so right. it's actually hidden if you take off the band uh, I can, can show you you can actually remove uh, but you, the port. you can't easily remove that no, port. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah you can it's just a it's just a push pin is that right it's a tiny one okay because like a needle you need a needle to hit the in hole the I fix it tear down they they couldn't figure that one Jeremy, out. Jeremy I like that black aluminum thanks man the black aluminum I don't particularly like the black band but the black aluminum looks really good Patrick you want to trade half a band uh, it's the same. Uh, it's the same size. But oh, you, you, you want to do something black and blue? Black and blue. <laughs> Te- technically, I may have to give this back to the developer I scammed it from, but I'm sure they'll be honored. Here, may, may I use your uh, wait? Your drone. Finger. You want the bottom or the top? Is it the bo- is nope. it the long side? Which side do you want? <laughs> well, if, I don't want to take your band. If you have to give it back, it's not yours. You, you, if you no, get no, guys, if you guys trade you bands, you're married. Band. <laughs> you get a second half band of a different length. Because you get two length sizes. What does the little lightning bolt mean? Does that mean you're almost out of battery and yeah. power reserve mode? I didn't charge it. I'm not sure ah. what it is exactly. Anyway, um, okay. So official straps from coming from third parties. I I think this is a good move. I think they should have announced that up front because I think a lot of people would have bought the plastic band rather than an expensive ass Apple band um, if they if they thought that there was an option for third parties. Um, but. Ultimately, I'm excited about having a leather watch band that doesn't look like hot garbage like all of the <laughs> Apple official leather bands. Oh, you're not you're going to give that one up? No, no, no. I'm just saying okay. I want to have a leather option yeah. in addition to the loop. I love the loop. It's, the yeah. loop is my favorite part of the thing. This okay. is the thing that we were talking about before the watch was released. I think just like people change out their phone cases, I think people are going to change out their bands regularly. I think and it's you're probably right. Re- the way the the way the attacher the attachment works for the band is really clever. You um you basically there's a magnet in the in the in the switch in the lock that hooks into the into the into a slot it, it, anyway it doesn't matter why do, it's a it's a neat it's a neat latch why do people need to be certified though i mean it's it's just like a case it's right? the same it's thing the, they always want they want they want it to fit well but the they cases, want to look nice. cases aren't necessarily certified they aren't licensed by the ones not. that they sell in the store are oh all of them are yeah yeah they don't sell if any you want access shed. to the store in the website yep. and you don't perhaps want to be sued by apple on a bad <laughs> day you come to apple and you do what they say <laughs> i mean you got a real nice case business here. We'd hate to destroy it with a hey. barrage of lawsuits. You know, we got a lot of board lawyers in the building. You know, we got a space loop to pay for. <laughs> there's um, there's uh, Apple TV. Lots of rumors about Apple TV, as happens every year about this time. Yeah. Presumably, we're like three years from the last Apple TV update. They just dropped the price on the last Apple TV box to 69 that's, bucks. That's the one that actually makes me think they might actually be upgrading. I think we're going to see a new Apple TV in a couple of weeks. Um, I'm excited about that. I I actually really like the Apple TV. The only thing I wish that it had at this point is voice control because I find that the Xbox One, like the thing that ha- happened accidentally over the last two years mm-hmm. is the Xbox One has become the place where everything that we watch except for stuff we buy from iTunes or rent from iTunes is watched through because you can say Xbox, go to Netflix, Xbox, go to Hulu, Xbox, go to Plex. So all of the stuff that I want to watch is available on that, on that platform at this point. So voice control on the Apple TV plus apps on a better interface that is lighter weight and doesn't run, cost 80 Watts to run every hour would be rad. Voice control. Voice control. Voice control. Uh, the rumor is that the new remote, they're redesigning the Apple TV remote and it includes a touch interface now. 
So I think that could look cool, although the remote is pretty damn elegant as it is. Yeah, now. the remote's so perfect. I don't use the remote. I use a Harmony, so yeah. I'm or less people use the, the use remote. their phone or yeah. iPod Touch or something. But the remote is great. It's a beautiful machined aluminum remote with just what like the. It's, top, a, it's yeah. a five-way D-pad and two buttons. And two buttons. It is a, is it, yeah, the remote, I mean, the remote, as much as I'd like to see applications and, and they probably have to, to do something to add to the remote, it is a unbelievably good remote. Well, and, and the neat thing to me is that the ability to do app support for stuff like the PlayStation, the Xbox, the Apple TV right. means that the text entry for passwords and all that stuff is so much easier because now anytime I have to type in a long password or any password or email address, I open up the app, so I don't need a complex remote. I like ideally, I want one remote mm. forever, little tiny one, five buttons, some maybe an input switcher. Anyway, um, that's it for news. Unless anybody else has anybody anything else they want to talk about, um, we only have a few minutes left. Stern, uh, Stern Pinball announced Kiss Pinball is the next machine. That's news. Which era kiss? The, you know, classic like era masks. Kiss. Yeah, with the makeup and the Moon whole bit. Child, I, I know Star more Man. about kiss now than I ever did. But you got are you researching the pinball? demon and wow. Star Child? And yeah, yeah. So it's, Jerry, there's next how, pinball. Is there a tongue? Work? Hmm? Yeah, no, no. It, 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 the like, ball, does the ball go down the tongue? In the LE and the premium versions, the balls will launch out of his mouth oh. and down his tongue. <laughs> In, in, in multi-ball. I, in multi-ball. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm okay with that. Well, I, maybe I, this isn't the pinball machine. For this you. might be a ball too far. <laughs> um, anything else? Nope. NSA phone data collection is illegal. Appeals courts have ruled this morning about three Doesn't hours ago. When has right that now? stopped them? Well, Congress needs to actually do something, do something about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to play some music, and then we have a giant list of stuff we've been testing. Um, but first, a word from our sponsors. This music is five minutes long. That's probably too long. <laughs> hey, Norm. Hey, Will. Uh, you know, I used to work at a website. Yeah, uh, you started Ars Technica. I started at Ars Technica in 1998 when Ars Technica was based on front page. Microsoft front page. Microsoft front page. So we shuttered long time ago. We had a bunch of flat files. We had to go in and edit the front page manually. And if two people accidentally worked on the same page, one person's work would get wiped out when the second person saved. So that really sucked. It was bad. It was a bad way to make a website. (laughs) Well, a better way to make a website now. uh, Squarespace, which is sponsoring this week's episode of This is Only a Test. Thanks, Squarespace. Um, It's pretty easy way to create a beautiful website blog or online store for you and your ideas and there's a they have an elegant interface live updating templates 24 hour live chat support so if you need help 24 hours a day seven days a week there's somebody that can get on the other end of a computer and walk you through your problems um and it's only eight bucks a month yeah which is amazing to me we paid thousands of dollars back in the day for monthly web hosting now it's literally eight dollars a month and you get a free domain if you buy squarespace for a year um norm would you, you can try it today. It's even cheaper if you try it with the code TEST at checkout. You get 10% off, and mm-hmm. that not only gets you started on your website, but also supports us and keeps this podcast going. Uh, yeah, so you can start a trial with no credit card required. Show support for this is only a test. Um, thanks to Squarespace. Uh, and uh, now back to the show. Build it beautiful. That's Squarespace's motto. 
That was and we're back. Music. I know. I was really music. tense. I know. I, I, had, I see. I meant to play this music. This one's called Perky One Jingle Punks. See, this is like upbeat website building music. The other one was kind of tense. Yeah. You gotta cue, cue up the right one. Yeah, I like that. It's a little angsty. That's that's <laughs> a that's a coding montage. Yep. A hacker montage. I was gonna say it sounds yeah. like the background. Is, Where are my rollerblades? <laughs> I I also have this one. Let's go to St. Mark's. This one's like the. That's like a shoulder roll music, right? <laughs> um, have an idea? Build the website. <laughs> okay, Norm, what have you been testing? Uh, so a couple things this week. Oh wait, uh, well, why don't you start? Let's do Hololens. Yeah, That's the big one. Let's start with the big one. Patrick, you and I uh, were at Build last week. We both got to see Hololens. We saw different things. Yes. Um, Norm and I talked for about thirty minutes about the ninety-minute programmer demo that they gave me, um, where basically I, they walked me through the process of building. A, uh, a Unity app that worked with HoloLens. Right. And, and that gave me a lot of opportunity to kind of like poke at the machine and see how it worked. But I didn't get to see any consumer, like any consumer, like I didn't get to see the way anybody would use it in the real world. Okay. Did you talk about the whole sort of being stripped naked and putting everything? Yeah, the in cavity search yeah. and all. Yeah, we glossed over that. But it was, it was intense. Like there was a man who yeah. looked at us like we were criminals. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's moments when you walk by somebody who's six foot five and their their knuckles are roughed up. You're like, wow, they brought the real security yeah. to this event. Yeah, um, we're we're not fucking around here. The uh, so it was interesting. So what I saw was they did a very consumer demo. I saw the thirty minute consumer demo. Um, the first one we saw was interacting uh, with Skype. So you know, two devs come out. You know, they're like, hey, we're going to show you how to, you know we use Skype, three D modeling, building, communicating, and I'm going to be on regular Skype, and he's going to be in Skype using the Hololens. Um, you know, and I presume you sort of discussed the sort of the little biscuit, the small window. It wasn't the full screen experience. FOV yeah, so we talked about the FOV being okay. uh, essentially like you, if you make a rectangle in front of your face about yeah. a foot out, that's maybe a, a eighteen inch yeah. diagonal. That's about the FOV that you see. Yeah, so I, it was funny. I heard uh, uh, Mary Jo Foley and, and Paul Thorat who got to see the original demo a hundred days ago, which I guess involves sort of a belt pack external. Oh, unit. the one in Redmond. Yeah, the one yeah. in Redmond's, and they were they were very upset because that was a full immersive field of view, which is everything. Oh, you, really? Is, yeah. Versus the demo that we saw, which was an actual self contained head unit. You know, with the, the you know what do they call it? The holographic. Uh, the holographic engine, engine. Yeah. yeah, holographic rendering engine, and the uh, and it's a, I guess it's a like a uh, an atom processor, next generation atom processor. They, didn't, they wouldn't tell us that. Um, I found that out. They they revealed a bunch of stuff on the Hololens blog. That okay, they didn't make particularly public in a lot of areas, but it's out there if you start digging. So um, so did you find the FOV distracting? I never had it. Was, it was interesting because the first time they did, they they had us all sit in this little sort of mini auditorium with a, a mock living room they built, and you know, you know, big coffee table, big coffee table, yeah. um, you know, three D printer in the corner, a bunch of three D models on a credenza, just like everyone has, just like everyone has. Well, I mean, look, <laughs> this is a, Patrick. We don't live here. This is our set. <laughs> Lies. And, it's and all lies. the uh, speculation is that uh, those rooms that they gave demos in were scanned beforehand. Yeah, they, the room it that we were in absolutely was not scanned beforehand. We could see the wire mesh pop in the room that I was in. It's still the wireframe, right? It, it's, it's, it could be, but I, I'm. 
I think that I think the calculations for flat surfaces because let me talk about the demo yeah. really quickly because one guy was in a two D Skype environment, the other guy was in the Hololens Skype environment, and the camera. The, the the cool thing about it was I was about six feet away from one of the camera units they were using to shoot the sort of audience view. Of oh, the giant red the, with the, the, the giant, huge yeah. rig thing on it. Okay, you know, and it was like you know what I think was a red camera with a, another pair of red cameras, a uh, uh, Connect. Um, all kind of bolted together on a tripod, and that's what was giving the audience had that full wall-to-wall feel instead of having the little small field of view that the actual units had. The uh, um, but they they did a Skype demo where like one person calls the other in Skype. Okay, I can pin it. It can walk around the room with me. Here's my you know here's my sort of window of Skype. My friend's talking to me. He's handing me a 3D model. I'm like, wow, this 3D model's great. I can make it bigger. I can make it smaller in 3D. You know, look, I'm setting it down on a tabletop. It doesn't go through the tabletop. I'm going to put it here with my other models, but it looks too big, so I'll scale it down. You know, and then they bring out another model and you know, they go to the 2D view, which is like you know 2D. I'm using manipulating it with a mouse and moving it around the back in the 3D. 3D view, he's he's able to manipulate it in 3D. So okay, so the, what does the 2D guy see? The 2D guy see basically sees you know a 3D rendered overlay inside of his Skype window of of, of the room or of the guy of with whatever the, the guy's on. camera, and that's where it gets kind of interesting because I think the, the way it felt was like. You know, they didn't show a lot of that. But what happened is what they did show is the guy in 2D reaching in and, oh, you know, let's let me do this. I'm going to go into the, you know, the 3D building tool that Microsoft's going to come out with their 3D, you know, uh, printing. Uh, it's know, it's like a blobby interface for controlling. Yeah, 3D well, stuff. they're basically I mean, they're basically like they're building 3D printing into Windows 10. They're building this. The Skype's going to have this sort of 3D modeling tool inside of it, which is beyond bizarre but but you know the guy the guy would basically you we had sort of the view from the camera on top of the Skype 2D users uh, monitor so we would see him reach in and then, and then we would be sitting and seeing in the 3D on the, the monitors in front of us how he would reach in with his mouse and manipulate things or he would oh, change so the, the color on the model. So that thing in the middle between your forehead is just a normal camera with probably a wide field of view. It's not a depth camera. Yeah. Well, the two we'll depth cameras out. are on the temples it seems like. I think so. Yeah. It's it's going to be but it would, the, 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 the implicit kind of thing in the demo is that 2D applications will be able to work with 3D applications. They're just not going to have a full 3D experience. Right. That was kind of what they were implying with this demo. And did they show like window management for the HoloLens side so that he could put the window on the wall or on the yeah. tabletop or and something like that? and they're basically like, you know, hey, I'm going to open up a conversation with my friend. Here's my Skype window. I can make it bigger. I can make it smaller. Mm. I can pin it. You know, mm. I can use my, yeah. They were using the one gesture? The, the one gesture. Did you get to try this? Uh, no. Oh, no, this they, is just they, you so you no. can see. So, well, the, what they did mm. then is, is, you know, they, they we packed up all our stuff and moved down to another hallway and they, you know, threw our stuff in a locker again. Um, and then they, they measured our pupils um, uh, and they sent us to a room. It was it was very cat house kind of a feeling. Like there was somebody outside of a room, and then you know the big thing on the door, and then they whisked you. You know, as you're walking through this row of eight people. I'm in the medieval room. Yeah, and people are disappearing in, in hotel rooms, and you walk in, and there's a there was a it was a, basically the the Trimble uh, Buildings demo. So they had a maquette in the room, and then there was this big fake brick wall, and you walked into the room, and they're like, okay, you know, architects they do build, and they're explaining sort of the history. And a lot of people don't realize, I guess, the reason they were explaining in such detail is architects have to sell things that don't exist. Mm-hmm. Renderings only work so well. Three D three D rendering and walkthroughs have been a huge part 
of architecture like, for years. Architects now. have been using the Unreal Engine for years yeah. to build to export something from a CAD program yeah. into a, a texture map yeah. 3D environment with real lighting and all that. Stuff. They are so far ahead of the curve on this. So you know, first they they had you interact with a big you know maquette of a model, and this is what the building will look like, and you can make this higher and this smaller. And what they had you do <laughs> is you would you would first they had you move from you know, a regular 2D monitor, and you could drag the mouse from the 2D monitor into the 3D world with the HoloLens. So you're wearing the HoloLens while you're sitting I'm in front of the computer. I'm wearing the HoloLens, yeah, and yeah, I'm looking at the computer, then I'm turning and looking at the maquette, the big model, and I'm manipulating things in the model, and I'm manipulating things in the computer, and things are happening in real time, and there's no lag, and like he pointed out. I That's could, interesting. I could look really close, and then. You, you, you can put your, like, you, you, the thing that was amazed me about the whole right. thing is that the brightness of the display is such that there's no, the, uh, I expected the, the holographic images to be kind of translucent mm -hmm. and there's none of that at all. Like you, right. if you hold your hand right here, you won't be able to see your hand, but you see a faint outline of your hand through right. the, through the hologram. At least yeah. in the the rooms that we were in were fairly dimly lit. Is that the same for you? And the fidelity like, was such dimness. That it didn't look like it was over like blooming or glowing too much. No, like, they a lot the, of these projected images sometimes do. It was pretty manageable because the, then we sort of stepped around this fake brick wall they built. In, I, I mean, I can't imagine what it cost Microsoft to set these demos up because literally they built a, a faux brick wall and all these maquettes and stuff. I, they, I, they got they're okay. I think so, but it, it, there's one of those moments where usually when people hurl money at a demo, you're like, ugh. And this time it was just like, holy crap, a lot's going on here. But it was like, you know, you're using the, the, the Trimble interface, you know, you're looking at a brick wall and you're seeing where this doorway is going to be in the brick wall. So they're basically, they're putting the, the blueprints over the brick wall. And was it, was it, were there, could you see, how obvious was the distinction between the fake the projected image and the real image. Extremely. It was a okay. bright green sort of cross-hatched rendering of a door. Over, okay, so over it looked like placeholder yeah. art, not, yeah. not, it wasn't like a texture mapped fancy no. looking, okay. Well, that that was it though, but what happened is, you know, they, they with the maquette, they did lots of rendering and, and uh, you know, so you would, you would be able to look at your building and you would be able to change perspective on the building, so I dragged my little dude down and I put my dude on the model here and now I'm looking up at the building that exists, you know, and there's brick and there's a rendering and then I look over at the building that is going to be built, and I see that. And then so, we go into this. Hold on. So the maquette is basically a placeholder. It's, okay. it's a tool that lets you. Well, hold on. So okay. a maquette. A maquette. The, you ever see a, a, a? You know, you you go into a place. They're selling condos, and they have models of the condos. And it's like a foam model yeah. of the condo. Yeah. You know, somebody okay. basically sat down with you know a exacto blade and cut little pieces. Those are of beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So the the maquette is the model of the building. So the first thing they showed was the software rendering and the maquette. So there was a maquette of the neighborhood with this big empty space in the middle of it. And on the computer was the model of the building that they were going to build in that space. And then when you put the HoloLens on, you saw the 3D, the, the holographic rendering of that in the building in the, in the space. In the physical miniature. In the physical miniature. Wow. Yeah. So in the, I should have said model instead of maquette. Yeah. And Sorry. did they have like a QR code or something on that, on that, on that model? To, to tell the HoloLens where to place the building, you know, I'm pretty sure. Or were they, they are, placing it in advance? And I'm sure they, I'm sure they did something that aligned it in advance. They okay. didn't do the only thing they did. You know, basically, you know, you they, could move around it and move your head back and forth, yes. and it would stay registered yes. in that position. Absolutely, huh. and that's that's what made it so interesting. Because I'm sure, I'm sure there was a lot of sync. I think there was a lot oh, of, of uh, yeah, sim building. Yeah, your tiny tower. All you gotta do is buy like a. You can build out a Here's model the DLC. set. And you can yeah. do your tiny tower. 
Well, that, I mean, that was that was in the in the middle of the Oculus Rift demo at <coughs> CES, where I was like, "Oh my goodness, if yeah. my kids get this, you know, there was the little sort of miniature city with all the stuff going yeah, on." Yeah, yeah. I was just like, "My kids will never leave this environment," like, yeah. and I don't know how I feel about that. But so with the and with presumably this, multiple people can be interacting yes. with this at once, yeah, and seeing the virtual building, yeah. jack in, tune out, man. That's that's all there is to it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, I'm so not going to know. So I don't know. Uh, here's an, a question okay. I don't think has been answered, and I don't know if they've talked any about. Can this interact with Connect in any way? Like, are there IR sensors or, or things on the Hololens, even passive things that the Connect can detect, so it can positionally track you? Well, so the in the, room? the new Connects are depth sensors. They're not that IR so grid. No. So they they but they, they build a model. So yeah. there's some t- some kind of approximation for the, the modeling of your position. They look at, they, they, but it does that based on shapes, as I understand it. So if it sees something that's shaped like a person, it, whether it's a, a cardboard standee that has the appropriate depth or an actual person. So the HoloLens won't even need special hardware if it can approximate where your head is. Right. And the other thing, we didn't do this in our demo, but one of the things they talked about is that the HoloLenses are able to talk to each other. And if one HoloLens sees another, they'll communicate and be like, okay, I'm over here. Here's the room that I have. I'm over here. Here's the room that I have. Um, and one person like said, yo, yeah, that's the thing we could do. The other one said, I don't think we're supposed to talk about that. And then they both shut up. So um, <laughs> multiplayer. Yeah. Like I, I, it's a, it's a thing that if you think about it, if you have more sources of data to for the room mapping and the room mapping, I don't know if they showed right. you like the, the way the room mapping works, but we saw the no, wireframe room pop. This in. was full on like, you know, we have this demo set up. They set it for your pupils. You know, there were there were four hands on the unit the entire time you oh. pull it off your head and put it on. So apparently they, they have about a they brought a hundred of those units to Microsoft build. Yeah, they, they had they had a the room that I was in probably had 70 people in them and everybody right. had a unit. Um, um, so crazy. let me let me get this straight. The projections <coughs> were on a small miniature yeah. that you saw. It's not like a, like a like four a, foot okay. by four foot. Right. You know. Is the idea that later you'll be able to project your finished house onto a frame and walk through it? Well, that's, a, it was, in a, yeah, I mean, essentially, I mean, it's it's interesting, right, because, you know, Oculus Rift or any of a number of, of poorer substitutions um, or 2D renderings will give you the sensation of walking through a sort of real-time map of, of a building. A place. Yes. Yeah. place, right? Yes. So what they were demonstrating, what they were going out of their way to demonstrate was um, not just the fact that it works, and it works wirelessly, and it works wirelessly on your head, and it's not very heavy, so it doesn't bother you. But that, you know, the interaction with real world, a, a, you know, I'm going to put my fingers at the real world environment because there's two parts of it. One was looking at the model and projecting the building on it and being able to sort of drag your little, you know, Google person type. Your Google Street View type yeah, guy, yeah. yeah. Down there and being able to be like, okay, you know, there's the deli on the corner and there's the new art museum we're building. This looks fantastic, George. You know, and then they were like, okay, we can change. You know, we don't like the, the texture of that. Sorry, good. We don't like the texture of that surface. Let's let's try something that's you know. Let's do windows. Let's do this. Oh wait, when we do that, there's this beam in the way. You know, so if could we you move that beam? It's structural. What if we move the window? Could you place your avatar inside the model, the virtual model, to then see what it looked like on like the fifth floor of the building? I presume they will do that. In okay. this particular demo, they were more about interacting with the maquette and the model, like the and neighborhood. Then, yeah, that would okay. be strange though, because you would only see that in your window. And that's right? and that, yeah. exactly. So what they did the the, the big kind of the big finish was walking around the fake wall that they built in the hotel room, which is this brick wall, and you got a notification, and it's like Bob the Builder, and Bob the Builder, you know, is like, hey, you know, we went to put the door in, but we realized there's a structural beam here, you know. What do you want us to do? We can move the door over here, and it's like, bing, 
hey, we can move the door over there, but you'll notice there's water pipes there, so we're gonna have to relocate the water pipes, you know, bing, and you left your non-real-time communication with the contractor, but you also got to see, you got to manipulate the door, like, oh, I can move the door over here, or he can move the door over here, so you have a brick wall, um, you know, that you're looking through, that you're overlaying the architectural drawings on, and then they bring in another layer of drawings. So it's like, okay, let's see the mechanicals along with the, the doorway. And, and you were actually manipulating, in a real world environment, manipulating multiple layers of drawings to decide you know, how you can fix this problem on site. Still within Still, the window field of view. Yeah, within the windowed field of view. So you know, I, couldn't, yeah. I couldn't back up far enough to see the entire door, right. but I could see like all of the door, and I could right, see the right, beam right. and the pipes, and I could look around yeah. and, and get a feel for stuff. Hmm. So, but it's also, I mean, I remember, did it feel like a real problem? Like, do you think that, that in construction worlds where you're doing architectural CAD drawings, they have a problem where they suddenly have a door in a place where there's a structural element or I think pipes they, or I, whatever? They, I think they, I think they do. I mean, my wife worked at an architectural firm for a long time. Like anytime you're working with old buildings, there's lots of exciting problems. Nobody anticipated okay. when you're building, you know, where a lot of the real money is like I'm building prison hospitals, you know, uh, they're, you know, when they're, when they're creating environments where you have to create a room that has, you have to create an entire building that has no blind spots because if there's a blind spot, somebody can hide behind the blind spot and shiv you. Yeah. Um, um, you know what I mean? Like I can see where this would be a very, very compelling tool to walk people through and get a feel for it or something. Mostly that it, it was, it was like, hey, these Trimble guys are way ahead of the curve. We can use their apps. We can demonstrate this. We can show that because this was mostly like Microsoft was pissed because all these people said like, well, it was a demo, but it used a giant backpack and it's not really a real product yet. And, and yeah. Microsoft's like, hey, we're closer than you think, you know. And I think the you know, the biggest complaint I heard from people that saw the first demo was like, oh, it's you know, it's like this playing card of of you know in front of your eyes, this four by six card in front of your eyes. You know, I want the full immersive, like I can see the army men running around me and Mike. I, I know, but well, the thing pe I, people deserve to want that based on the videos that Microsoft shows, yes, right? I mean, absolutely. They promised a vision, which was this yeah. 360 degree well, virtual reality. Yeah. And then as final as this Ar hardware, as final as the... But I'm saying that they drew the analogy to what we yes, know from, yeah. from VR. Yes. I mean, I'm assuming, I mean, I'm, a, I'm looking at this and it's like, man, I've been looking at beta products for 25 years. This is a pretty solid beta, except I'm pretty sure it's an alpha, you know, and they may, you know, you know, version 1.0 may have the small field of view and version yeah. 2.0. Cause I think, it, I think it's, it's going to grow. Yeah. I think, uh, I think the biggest challenge is probably the processing power and the rendering power and putting it all inside of this headset. I mean, depending on what the resolution is, it seemed like the pixels were, were the thing that I noticed spending a lot of time with the screen because I was able to take right. it on and off and look at look at the screen as I was very slowly putting it on my head is it seems like the pixels are the fill rate on the pixels is very high, similar to like a DLP display versus an LCD. Um, so and, and also it seemed relatively high resolution for especially considering that the actual display area of the of the glasses was probably about the size of two post a big postage stamp right. or maybe two small postage stamps. Um, I was like, technically I was really impressed. You immediately within five minutes of putting it on, you adapt. It's just like wearing an Oculus. When you're wearing an Oculus, you don't move your eyes inside the VR, inside the goggles very much. You mostly do head movements because that's how you can move the camera perspective. Right. You very quickly adapted to turning your head instead of yeah. turning your eyes to look at stuff. Um, I, I don't, I I got the feeling that they have no idea what they're going to use that thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. like I didn't I didn't see the stuff that we were seeing. There was no like UI language. There was no right. here's how what the like, like what the Chrome framework for Windows looks like. Um, I I don't 
I feel like they have built something that, that is yeah. very cool and works much better than I expected in right. the in the limited environments that they let us use it. I don't have any idea what you use that for with the with the field of view that you I'm, have. Now. I'm surprised to hear that the objects are as opaque as you say that they are, and I'm surprised that the resolution is as good as you say that it is. Um, how how transparent is the screen if you're if the if there's nothing being displayed? Is it like sunglasses? Um, it's yeah, it's like sunglasses. So so there's two screens. You're looking through the two through the two glass windows. Yeah, and then there's the big smoked thing around the edges. The big smoked thing around the edges lets you. Um, like it just dims dims the environment enough right. that the screen is relatively bright. So you're looking through the screen without looking through the smoked. You're looking through the rest of the world through the smoked. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but it's not. It wasn't. It didn't make a a it, the the room we were in was more brightly lit than a Virgin America plane, but not much. <laughs> okay, if that gives you like, what's yeah. universal context for brightness in rooms? I don't know. It's less bright than this, more bright than a than a than a bar, way more bright than a bar. Uh, even with the glasses on. And what about the surface mapping? If did it seem like you could play Minecraft in any room? No. And, and things would be able to sit on the coffee well, table. And, and then and that's that's where things get complicated, right? Because you, there's always some type of calibration with this, and the likelihood of of you know Minecraft in your room working is all going to be dependent on how easy they make it to map it. Because I don't want to sit around like, okay, if I'm if I'm replacing a you know sixty five thousand dollar three D mapping unit because I want to make drawings, you know, and I want to do it with a twenty dollar webcam instead of a sixty five thousand dollar three D scanning station that I can't get a hold of and can't afford the time on, then yeah, I'll spend nine hours, you know painting dots on a corner of my house so or my garage so I can do the alignment and it can do the calibration and it can generate the model. If I'm like, I want to play Minecraft, I don't want to spend four hours posting dots all over my living room on every flat and, and vertical object on my living room so the camera can align so my kid can put on a HoloLens. So this is the thing, no, this is the thing we got to put, do a lot. It, like this is the thing that I got to do in my demo a ton and it worked shockingly well. Like it was bad at mapping curved or, or complex surfaces like for example, the back of a couch where it bends yeah. over, it the kind of back. It, yeah, it kind of got a kind of made a big blobby thing around that, mm. but it was unusable, which is fine. You're not going to put stuff there. The flat surface of the couch cushions, the flat surface of coffee table, the floor, the ceiling, flat surfaces it was really good at and it, then they popped in very quickly. The things that it was weird about were anything that obstructed the flat surfaces mm-hmm. like chairs, um if if you mapped a person mm-hmm. and then that person moved, the the their map would stay there for a moment and then kind of ghost out after say 10 or 20 seconds. Yeah. Um does, does one it, one triangle at a time. The thing is the triangles were huge. The triangles that made up the surfaces were so big that the that the that the, the anything that was round was unintelligible. Okay. All you got was flat surfaces and and actually having low tessellation I think probably made the mapping much easier. That all improve over time. Yeah, I, I don't think my point is it's pr- it was pretty good yeah. as it was. You were able to place your our demo scene on any flat surface do no you, problem even the, like diagonal. Do you ones. get the sense that it learns the room as yeah. you, as you, the more time you spend in it? So each time you kill the pro- so it, one of the things we did in the in the dev environment was kill programs and then we had to rerun them every time we we changed the code and re-uploaded it. Um basically Every time you reloaded the application, it remapped the the room, the area that you were in. But that happened very quickly. It was like two, three seconds. And you'd start to see mesh pop up around you. Um, And then the more time you spent, the more... Walking around. Walking around. um, It would add to that mesh constantly. Cool. 
Um, and after five minutes of walking, if you had walked around a 20 foot area, you'd have you'd be able to look off in the distance and see mesh 15 or 20 feet away. Um, so that was it was all additive. Nice. And the only things that would ghost in and out were things that moved. So if a office, if a desk chair moved, that would go away. If a person mm-hmm. was standing in a different place, that they would go away. Um, Does it use that? It must be able to use that information then for occlusion. So objects can then once it's learned what's behind an object, it will know depends that that's on the pace. There. So the yeah, the it wasn't occluding anything on what we saw, but okay. we were doing a very simple demo. Yeah, like if you moved your hand in front of the in front of the connect, it would project onto your hand, didn't occlude out in front of your hand, but it would hmm. project th- through your hand. No, no, no. Well, no, no, no. you'd it's, see you'd it's, see it's the object. Oh, okay. So on it's, top it's, of your it's hand. mapping okay. fast enough yeah. that anything you move into frame. It's going to map on well, the surface. But if you think about it, if I if I project a, a virtual thing, and Patrick, I know you have to go. No, no, no. I'm, right I'm actually trying to figure out how that's going to impact. Like if it's a, if it's rendering on my. Well, I guess I could just do a cutout for anything. It's like X number of feet. Yeah, like theoretically, it so. should know that, that that thing's out there. Your hand is between it and right. that. So it just doesn't display things where your hands are. But I don't think it updates fast enough to do okay. that right now. Um, the other thing I noticed is that there, it is the, frame, the, the update rate is very low compared to a VR experience. And um, a lot of the comments on the thing that we posted last week didn't miss the point of that. The point was... The update rate being low did, wasn't disconcerting and unpleasant like that is in a VR experience. Because you have your peripheral view. Because you have yeah. the, you're rooted in the real world. The the 5% of the screen that's taken up with the AR stuff, it doesn't matter if it updates slowly. It looks yeah. kind of janky, but as soon as you stop moving your head and and, and start doing uh, yaw and pitch movements yeah, instead of lateral yeah. movements, it's totally good. Yeah, I mean, because um, you're, you're still you're 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 you you don't have cognitive dissonance. Yeah, it's not like you're on a boat and the boat's moving underneath. Exactly. You. And I I don't the thing I don't know is what what on earth like I want to see real applications. Well, I want to see what they're going to use it for. And I think they don't. I I've got the strong feeling that they don't have any idea what people are going to use it for, which is why they did, put thousands of developers in front of it during build. So here's a question. You know, the first time I saw 3D on you know a 3D HD TV, I immediately thought gimmick. That, yeah, that's the right response. Okay. Um, you know, Avatar, you know, okay, so a genius used a gimmick and made it amazing, but it's still fundamentally a gimmick, and he still, you know, routed the entire, it, it, he still had to make the entire movie in a way that it would play in 2D. I did not put the HoloLens on, or, you know, like the Oculus Rift, like the first Oculus Rift developer model where I'm watching, like, some of the most hardcore gamers I know put it on. One of them was out of the room in 30 seconds clutching a garbage can. You know, I mean, okay, so it was the first version. It was it was very early. There was a lot of issues. But it was rough, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was super rough. By the second one, it's there. By the demo, you know, at, at CES 2015, I'm like, wow, this is really compelling. The bullet time at the end may be a little queasy, but, you know, I still got through the majority of the demos with no issues. Um, you know, I, I feel like like the Oculus Rift, um, you know, and, you know, the Steam VR and the HoloLens all have a place. They kind of fit, you know, and, and it's not one of those technologies, you know, because we see a lot of stuff and people are like, look, I've done this. And it's like, that's nice. Well, and, and, and then there's the Magic Leap thing out of Florida that nobody knows about. Google's given them a, what, like a billion dollars or two billion dollars or something like that, which is like you or yeah. I giving them 10 bucks, but okay, a hundred bucks. <laughs> I'd say 5,000 bucks. Okay. That's, that's, I think it's more significant to us than it is a billion right. to Google. Of course. But, but, but the point is like, we, we don't know anything about what they're doing except for that everything you hear out of the, the demos that they're doing is like, oh, this is a completely different than anything else we've seen. Um, so I, I, I'm super interested in what 
people actually do with this. That's that's yeah. like I want to see what I want to see some real world applications. The same same place we were with VR stuff a year ago. The same place we were with VR twenty years. I mean, the first time I had a VR experience was like twenty years ago, and it was big, blocky pixels and yeah. a thirty pound headset. Yeah, and it was like this is interesting. This is not the black sun. Can we go now? Yeah. <laughs> um, Patrick, if you need to blast off, uh, okay. um, we will thank you for coming by. If people want to find out about you, techthing.com. Techthing.com, yeah. And actually, uh, my friends over at Hack5 uh, uh, just relaunched Threatwire, which is a, a three times a week with uh, Darren uh, Kitchen and, and Shannon, uh, my co-host on Tech Thing and myself. Uh, we each take a day of the week, three days a week, and we talk about the latest in sort of security news and threats and uh, internet. Uh, so you talked about Lenovo issues. this week, I bet, again? Oh my goodness! Uh, fortunately, somebody else got to talk about that. Okay. <laughs> I'm just, the other thing that's amazing is 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 you see the com. I forgot the Comcast story. Comcast has decided that maybe they should unpiss off the majority of America. Yeah, I didn't even put that in because I I I mean, no duh. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to add like 5,500 jobs and, and guarantee. We're going to put like Uber style tracking on right. technicians. And, and, something, and if you're late, they'll, they'll credit you. There's something yeah. offensive about them giving you a four hour window and saying, if we're late, we're going to give you $20. When you've already waited four hours, like well, I, I, I like the th I, sometimes it's the thought that counts, but I don't really give you, Comcast that benefit. You know, it, I think it, I think it was interesting that that it took and it, it took them spending what twenty million plus dollars in lobbying and still getting their ass kicked on a merger. That, oh, it was more than that. It was two hundred million, wasn't it? Well, whatever the yeah. astronomical amount of money they spent, you know, yeah, all over in the last year, and 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 you know, lost the merger made them realize that maybe. Maybe public opinion is something we should pay a little more. Maybe treating to. our customers like hostages for the last twenty years is backfiring on us. You know, I mean, I, I still comes down to it. someone. I would like Google spending billions on on running fiber around the rest of the United States. Just they don't even have to actually spend the money; they just have to threaten to spend the money, <laughs> right? That's all it takes. I, I as much as good as a threat oh. is, I'd still like to have another option for high speed wire. That would be really cool. House. Yeah, yeah. And if we're living in like the most, you know, one of the most technically sophisticated areas of the country, we still have the same crappy options. Uh, Our crappy options are slightly better than a lot of other people's crappy options. True. But it's, you know, if you're in rural, you know, Nevada or Nebraska, Montana, Montana, can't even get satellite up there. You can get satellite if you're up high enough. Okay. I'm Build your tower. Anyway, I'm yeah. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but techthing.com, thank you for coming by. I Thanks think you're heading me. over to uh, Twit right now, right? Uh, yeah, I have to go do this week in computer hardware. We just we used to record it in the evenings, and now we get to record it during the day when we're both Ooh, still awake. That's good. It's exciting. That's good. Um, thank you for stopping by. Oh, my and, pleasure. Um, uh, your stuff is on the site all the time, so. Yeah, we have, tested. A, we have an article coming up actually uh, later on tonight or tomorrow. It's cool. Exciting. Tomorrow, yeah. Sounds good. Thank you much, Mr. Norton. Thank you for letting me play with this. Oh, yeah, the key, the key puller. We can show you how it works after after you finish recording this week in computer hardware. Yeah, Patrick, on your way out, can you let uh, someone outside in? Yes. Thank you. Well, you, you, are you, you're going to go set up in the conference room, I assume. Yeah, right? I'm going to go set okay. up in the conference. Yeah, if you yeah. don't mind, I'm done. Thank you so much, um, <laughs> Patrick Norton, a podcast guest, doorman, uh, other things. Um, Norm, you tested the Phantom Three. Did we talk about this last we week? We absolutely did. Jeremy asked a, a bunch of questions. Hey, oh, okay. Norm, <laughs> there's a thing on here that I don't know what it is. Uh, this is the Asus UX305. Okay. Um, this, now that Patrick has left, we're back to MacBooks outnumbering uh, the Windows laptops. He, he left the Windows laptops on the floor over here. Oh, uh, okay. They're well, close. I'm interested. The, the Spectre is a, a high end. Um, that's HP's uh, kind of new flagship Ultrabook. Um, 
and, and, and with touch, with which touch, is interesting. Yes, and that's the one that's and you know convertible, which is actually the most probably the most yeah. interesting. That, that moves it into Lenovo territory. And Lenovo kind of has this, you know, I think Lenovo is probably the biggest PC maker in the world now. I want to say they, they go back and forth, uh, as I understand it, with the Acer or Asus. But and yes. you know, Lenovo had a lot of success with their uh, yoga line and Dell more recently with uh, the XPS 13, which we still haven't tested yet. It looks like a beautiful laptop. Uh, the Spectre is in that category. Um, and it's, it's uh, a lot of people talk about, you know, what about a more affordable option? And we heard uh, from people in the forums that, that we should check this out. So I did. It's the UX305. I think I talked about it uh, two weeks ago, um, but it's fantastic. Uh, Non-touchscreen, but it is a 1080p screen. It's running Core M and uh, 8 gigs of RAM with 256 gigs of SATA-based SSD, which is, I think, fine. Like PCIe is really fast, but for most people, unnecessary. Uh, but the great thing is that this is 700 bucks. Wow, really? And I always forget, yeah, because the, the way the hinges is weird. Um, the Asus goes down when it it's is, open. Uh, it's basically... It looks I very would, MacBook Air, the way it's tapered. I, it, it looks... That's kind of the modern. To be, it's designed against design. uh, to be put against the MacBook Air 13 inch. Is it is it a high resolution screen though? 1080p. Okay, which is better than so better than MacBook Air. MacBook but Air 13. Yeah, it's a matte screen, which I haven't used a matte screen in a while hmm. uh, on a mobile side at least. Yeah, at home I use matte screens, and I like one of the screens. things I do like them. But just like the problem I have with OLED screens, where there's that rainbow effect. Mm-hmm. Which well, you and the, I have talked about the moray. The, it's, oh, it's the, not moray, but you know, Jeremy, can you see like if I tilt the screen off axis, you can almost see like a rainbow band on the. But when it's off, when you're talking when about when it's off, yeah. I suppose so. Uh, it's not like DLP bad. No, it's not DLP bad, but uh, bad, but it definitely has like a the way light bounces off of it. The way light bounces off of a matte mobile screen because of the anti glare gives a little bit of that shimmering distortion. Mm-hmm. Um, which is the only bad side. Uh, about IPS that. display. And it is IPS. Super it's off axis good, here. And great, great off axis. Uh, I just like I just like the matte because you don't have the glare effect. You don't have, always yeah. have to worry about glare effect. Bright enough yeah. to use outside. Um, it is Core M. Now the performance on this in just using it day to day actually was less hitchy than on the MacBook. The twelve inch MacBook. The twelve inch MacBook. Huh. Even though this is a. 0.8 gigahertz processor. It's, it's an 800 megahertz end. processor. It's an 800 megahertz processor. What is, is this? 1993. I know. Oh, 0. 97. 8, but sorry. it does turbo to two gigahertz, which for most time in high performance mode, that's what it's running at. Where's the turbo button? No, it just automatically. Once once you <laughs> oh, load up videos, I know the turbo. Oh, I love the turbo. Double button. that RAM. Press the button. At get get clock those megahertz up. Um, but the point afraid. is that Core M really is over tax on the MacBook and on a laptop like the Yoga 3 Pro because of their high-res screens. Oh, so you think that the low-res screen is a competitive advantage? Yes. And makes more appropriate fit for Core M and the HD 5300. Uh, if you're a student and you don't want to buy a, uh, you don't want to spend, how much does a MacBook Air 13-inch cost now? Like We can get them for $1,200 $1,300. really you want the $1,600 one. Right. And that stuff comes with what, 128 gig SSD? No, it's 256. I don't, I don't think it comes with less than 256. Well, I, I hope not because for 700 bucks, getting 256 SSD and getting you know, 8 gigs of RAM and something that you can actually do stuff with. Now, of course, not real video editing or in, in processing, doing encoding is going to take a while. Yeah, MacBook Air base is 128 gig SSD. Unless you go to the highest one, yeah. yeah. Um, 700 bucks, fantastic. It price. is 128 gig SSD? For the $1,000 one. The 1200. For the 1299 one. 
256 is 1200. Yes, 13. Yeah, so MacBook Air 11 inch is 128 gigs. Yeah, yeah okay. Um, you like it? I like it. This is the takeaway. We're going to do a yep. video? No, we're not going to do okay. a video. What what outputs do they have? Oh, yeah, three USB outputs. Wow, micro, really? Micro How do they HDMI? get three ports into that tiny thing? Tiny little HDMI port. Micro HDMI, so you do need an adapter for most things. Uh, one of the USB does uh, fast charging. Oh, that's um, nice. And, and built-in SD card reader. Cool. That's all the stuff that I want on a laptop. How much does it cost? 700 bucks. Wow, really? It's like it's <laughs> working on a completely different pricing scale. Yes. Um, a not overpriced pricing scale. Uh, Norm, we posted our Samsung Galaxy S6 video the other day. Yep, my favorite phone. All-time favorite phone. Currently, all-time favorite phone. Um, do you have a G4 coming yet? Can no. you order a G4? I, uh, are you going to get a G4? People I'm are gonna asking. Try, I'm going to try to get a G4 from LG. Okay. Uh, and... And we'll, we'll come do a direct comparison. Um, but people should watch the video. Do you want to go over high points or just tell uh, them to watch the great video? Great camera, great screen. Did you do uh, a camera comparison? Yes. We did it with the iPhone 6. Great, I camera want to see comparison. that. No, yeah. no compromises was where we ended up. What's that um, mean? iPhone does better uh, in pure low light in terms of the really? noise hmm. uh, without any light. But if there is any light, the... Uh, the the Samsung sensor I think does better interesting um, okay, okay, okay better details and in the shadows more megapixels this was it versus the Duke by the this way is versus, versus the Duke because that does better in low light than the six because yeah. it has the optical yeah. or it's the just, it, that's negligible but yes is it okay yeah um we have the Bionic Bird let's end with the Bionic this bird. is awesome okay let's do the Bionic Bird this is cool yeah so this uh, was well, one of the things that was at CES that we actually just this, walk by this, and I didn't chat with them. It looks like it looks like one of those things you used to get at museum gift shops. It has a rubber band inside and you wind up this flappy bird. And when you we can, were kids. When we were kids. Yeah. But when we were young, those many years ago. I never had that as a kid, but I do know what you're talking about. <coughs> and what was the name of that toy? Uh, his up? name was Timmy, the flying bird. Is that what it was? I'm going to look it up right now. Yeah, but please, keep talking. Please look it up. Uh, apparently this is by the same family of inventors. The really? Same, same company. Tim Bird. Um, and Timmy Bird, two different two different types. Different and they colors. launched it as an Indiegogo. They were at CES as uh, a French company. And I want to say um, Edwin Van Roy. Hmm, don't no. Nope. I'm not going to nope, pronounce, nope, nope, nope. pronounce names. But it's a very simple, very simple bird. Uh, has is Bluetooth connected to an app? I think Jeremy, you want to load it up? Sure. It on the, on the Android the Android app crashes for me for some reason. It's Bluetooth connection. Um, that doesn't sound like a good experience. Well, I, I need to delete it and reinstall it. Also, same. Uh, but it's lightweight, foam body, and it flaps. It flaps to fly. Whoa! So there you go. Uh, let's stop it for now. Yeah, there you go. You can actually gent have a gentler flapping motion. You can get pretty high, 100 meter range on that Bluetooth, and when it's up in the air and gliding, uh, you can actually steer it left and right. Did you fly it outside? I did fly it outside, landed on my neighbor's roof, had to climb up on his roof to grab it. Was it windy? <laughs> it was a little windy. Okay. So it's uh, basically the toy we grew up with, but now remote control. But remote control. That's really cool. That's rad. That's I wish that there was a physical controller for it. I wish I, you could use like thumbsticks like a, instead of having to use the iPhone. But the it's iPhone just, seems it's okay. It's just yeah. left and right. And it's binary left and right control. And speed. Right, and analog for speed. Yeah. Well, and speed being, yeah, flapping. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like... Can you adjust the tail? Uh, I think the tail does do something. That sure. was like the old thing. That that's the only thing you could adjust with the original yeah. bird, right? Oh yeah, no, no. I can, I, I can adjust the tail. Oh, so, so maybe you can that, adjust the angle of attack. Yes. So that's the that uh, controls the lift. Lift on this. So if well, I flatten the tail, no, I don't think you want to flatten it all the way. 
Okay. Um, but it, so it, the neat thing about it is it has aileron like control on the back edges of the wings in that if you, when you steer left and right, yeah, Jeremy's doing it right now, it, it changes the shape of the wing, which is super cool. Uh, yeah. They say eight minutes of flight time. I've never flown it successfully for a full eight minutes before it dying. <laughs> uh, but it comes you mean before a, you crash. Before crash. Yeah. And this is uh, an egg charger, which is a nice little charger. That's it's super like cool. Clever design. Really clever design. Um, let's fly it toward the camera. Oh, gosh. No, no pressure. Don't, don't choke. Hold on. Uh, Bats! All right. We're in bad country! Oh, that was nice. fantastic. Uh, if, if you had gotten it back here, that would have made the time <laughs> pocket. But the fact that it flew over the camera, I'm impressed. Well done, Jeremy. Thanks. You, you try it again? Where are you, where are you going? Toward... Oh, no, 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 Will, no. What was that? It just dropped like a stone. That was oh, weird. Oh, my goodness. Don't, don't break the bionic bird. Yeah. We like it does bird. come with replacement wings. Woo, woo. Oh, jeez. Stop. Okay, really, we're just going to leave it there. It's woo. like, it really looks like a bat. Out we're in bat It's country. more of an outdoors toy. It is. Really? Timmy was always an outdoors toy. Um. All right, your Apple Watch check-in. I think we kind of already did that. We can, okay. Jeremy, what do you think about your Apple Watch? <laughs> well, have you enjoyed it so far? <laughs> I love it. It's telling me the time. That's and that's all I know how to do so far. Okay, that's pretty I good. I will tell you, my wife got hers two days ago, and she's been enjoying it. Her favorite feature, you will never guess. Sending heartbeats. The reminder to stand up. That's my least favorite thing. As I would expect. Last night at dinner, it reminded me twice. She is not one of us. She is profoundly not one of us. So <sighs> she is. She represents an interesting, you know, demographic that maybe we don't know too much about. Oh Lady, my goodness, ladies! Is, oh, Jeremy, you just, you just <laughs> went live on my on my. What does that mean? I can send you. Oh really? Oh, so other iOS users know I have an, a watch. Yeah, now. that's cool. Okay, here we go. How perfect timing. Ask that question you asked me a mere two minutes, uh, three minutes ago. Norm, are you going to review the G4? Hey, Norm, are you going to review the G4? Well, LG Mobile, <laughs> LG USA Mobile, an officially verified LG Twitter account, just tweeted us to say, Hi, we selected you for an exclusive program we're running for the LG G4. Maybe I should review this. I haven't reviewed an Android phone in ages. I like I, phones. I, I'm interesting. I'm going to get in cut touch with them and get that G4 for testing. I would like to spend some time with an Android phone in the not too distant future because it has been I'm, too I'm, long. I'm since sorry. I on, I'm sorry you're on Verizon. Well, I can use my SIM card on any of your GSM phones. Okay. It'll work. I will pass. I'll yeah. pass the phone along. Yeah, I just need some. I need something. Just something that I can jam right. the SIM into. We'll, we'll, we'll make sure that works. Um, uh, a lot of people asked again in comments about the quad that we talked about a couple weeks ago. It is the Tiersun CX-10 or 10A. The difference is that the 10A is a little bit easier to fly. The 10 is a little bit hotter. Um, like it's a little tighter steering and all that stuff. Uh, you can get it from Banggood or I think you said Amazon now too. And it's like 15 or 20 bucks depending on what 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 some options. Um, and then the last thing is that I have been typing on an ErgoDox for the last two nights at home. Uh, the ErgoDox, if you don't know, is the open source hardware project for mechanical keyboards. It is, um, uh, it's a columnar keyboard layout. So that means instead of, if you look at your keyboard right now, you'll note that the top row is a little bit staggered from the home key row, but then the bottom row is basically hovering halfway between. So that means that the X is below the S on the columnar layout instead of between the S and the D on a traditional QWERTY layout. Um, that has taken a lot of adjustment. It is yes. a, it is challenging. Now, There's why a, is this the, why is the columnar 
format, a better format. I'm not sure if it's better or if it's a, it's a byproduct of the design of the keyboard. Okay. Um, part of it, I mean, the idea with the ergonomic split keyboard that the two halves are completely independent of each other, which is what the ergodox is, is that you can use the keyboard at the natural angle of your wrists. Yeah. So instead of doing this thing where your wrist bend in, um, and then your fingers splay out, you just adjust the keyboard to be the right distance for your arms and the distance you sit from the table and all that stuff. Um, it's interesting. It's been very interesting. Uh, there's a, it's a very non-traditional keyboard layout. It's something I probably wouldn't normally try. Um, but we wanted to try the ergodoxes after hearing a lot of good things about them. And, and it's been nice having a mechanical keyboard that's ergonomic is awesome. Like once I get going on it, I Mm. feel really good. And like each day is definitely easier than the one before. Um, One day at a time. It it hasn't affected my ability to come back to a normal keyboard and still work there. That is a big, that's a real concern. Yeah. Riding a bike. Um, Because I know a lot of people, we're doing it as an upcoming week of build. Obviously we're done. You guys will see that in a couple of weeks. Um, But people wanted to know if they should source parts to build their own. And I would say, like it is not an it is not a easy transition. It's not like switching from one keyboard to another. But it, but it's a really fun project. It is a super fun project. We is had it, a really good. And time it's also good it. for you. I mean, you're less likely to develop any kind of RSI. The, I, right. That's that is the have you, thought have you, process. I've always used ergon. I've used the ergonomic keyboard since I wrote a book um, about ten years ago. Have you ever had RSI issues? Yes, constantly. Yeah. Oh, recently. I mean, when I I spent six months writing a book where I was writing. 3000 words a day and then coming home and writing 3000 more words at night. Yeah. And I had to ice my wrists at the end of those nights. Right. Wow. And that was using a, a good split keyboard. It was, it's just too much, too much finger stuff. And that was using a split keyboard. That was using a split keyboard. My goodness. So, um, after that I got a desk, my desk set up properly. Probably should have done that before, but you know, Ergodox. Ergodox. Um, check it out on mass drop. Yeah. If the mass drops closed, if the one that's cur- that was running most recently, but if you want to source your own parts, you can. Uh, there's a good blog post that explains what to get from DigiKey, what to get from uh, the mechanical keyboard parts stores, what to get from the mechanicalkeyboards.com, and and the assembly was much easier than we expected. I, I think it's safe to say. Like we heard, I heard 400 solders, and was thinking about the HypnoCube that we made a few months ago, which was. Uh, 270 some solders that were all nightmarish this was way way easier because you're you're just doing mostly through hole soldering a little bit of smt soldering um it was good cool it was fun i think that uh do you want to do a question uh actually i, I think i have to run two now so um thanks I guess for watching. that'll do it for us this week thanks to squarespace squarespace for sponsoring the show again if you want to try out squarespace you can go to squarespace.com use the offer code test to get 10 percent off your first purchase and show your support for the show um and uh jeremy you're uh, you're where can people find you at jerware.org jerware.org just jerware.org or okay. at jerware on, 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 on the, the, the twitter um, Patrick is at techthing.com, T-E-K-T-H-I-N-G.com, or apparently on This Week in Computer Hardware. Norm, what's going up on the site? Uh, we have an amazing... I know people have been waiting for one-day builds, and we have something cool coming next week. Is it... it is, he, uh, we also... Uh, is this it, week, is it a, the Meow Meow one? Mm. I don't... No, not the Meow Meow Oh, it's not the Meow Meow one? No, something related to people at this table. It's which is the it's, most, I will say... My goodness. Uh, it's a, it's also, an incredible voyage. We also have an awesome uh, 
uh, tutorial and demonstration. We got, I got Vulcan ears at WonderCon. That video is up now. Frank Iblio sculpted Vulcan ears and then cast uh, gelatin prosthetics. You wore a science officer shirt, right? Medical, right. medical science, science. science. Science pin. Did you see that Vulcan from Voyager um, trolling the Star Wars? Tuvok. Guys? Yeah, Tuvok. Did you see that video of him trolling Star Wars? May, guys the, on, may the fourth may be the with fourth? you. I did not see yeah, that. That's good. Worth worth watching. Yeah, no, no um, much. Um, and we have a lot of premium videos coming up. Uh, a lot of cool projects. Um, you'll get to see the next batch of weeks of builds in like weekend. We have Ergo Docs. We have Lego with friends. Uh, and surprise. then we have something su- surprise. The Lego with friends is with Phil Broughton, who you may remember from Octobercast 2013. Phil is super interesting. He lived at the South Pole for a year. Yeah. Hmm. Among other many other interesting things that Phil does. Um, so lots of good stories there. We will be back next week with another episode of This Is Only a Test. Today's outro is brought to you by Minker17. See you guys next week. Hi there. I didn't see you. Tested. I did it for as long as my ass could take for multiple days in a row, so probably 10, 20 minutes at a time. <laughs> Unicycle writing? Hey, guys. Unicycle writing. Yeah, I don't know if anybody said congratulations on 300 shows. Huh? Oh, this, this is our 300th show. This was our 300th show. Congratulations. Oh, 299 die. That's a big deal. Um, yeah, we've been doing this for five years. Who knew? Who knew? Thanks, Jeremy. See you guys next week.